And we're coming back from executive session, so we'll wait for um, all members of the board to, to be present and we'll continue. For those keeping the score at home, we already read the uh, COVID-related remote meetings introductory remarks when we open the meeting in public uh, about 6.15. So we're just waiting for Kristen and Julianne to join in. Welcome back, everybody. All right, it's now uh, after seven o'clock. Again, we have returned from executive session uh, into this public session. We read the introductory remarks about remote meetings during uh, the, the COVID era stuff uh, at the beginning of the public session earlier. So we don't need to do that, but we'll, so we'll get started with um, the public part of it, the agenda, but I actually have something else that I'm going to insert into the meeting, uh, if everyone will allow me th that privilege, as long as I can come up with a good way to do that one moment. I trust that people can see whatever part of my screen is being shared here. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. I have a proclamation to read. The town of Northborough, Massachusetts, a board of selectmen proclamation. Um, wait, I have something. Yeah, there we go. Whereas John W. Kader was hired by the town of Northborough as assistant town administrator in January 2003 and has served the town administrator since July 2008. During his tenure as assistant town administrator, and town administrator, John proved to be a loyal, dedicated, and conscious, conscientious employee. And whereas John was a positive mentor and a friend to all who had the pleasure of working with him, the invaluable experience, wisdom, and leadership that he provided to the board of selectmen, town staff, and the various boards and committees proved over and over again his commitment and strong compassion for the betterment and well being of this community. And Whereas John creatively impl implemented a capital improvement plan that included the successful completion of the library renovation addition project, the construction of a new senior center, and the renovation addition of the Lincoln Street Elementary School, and 
Whereas John was instrumental in working collaboratively with the boards, committees, and school superintendents to pass 15 consecutive operating and capital budgets with unanimous support. He increased the town's bond rating to a AA1, the highest rating in the town's history, and received over a decade of national GFOA distinguished budget awards for best practices in financial planning and reporting. Whereas the Board of Selectmen on behalf of the citizens of Northborough would like to offer their deepest appreciation and heartfelt thanks to John and wish him, his wife, Alicia and his family the very best in all of their future endeavors. His strength of character and his role as a valued leader of the town of Northborough will always be remembered and appreciated. We now therefore proclaim March 31st, 2023 as John W. Kader Day in the town of Northborough and be it resolved by the Northborough Board of Selectmen that the community of Northborough honor and extend its appreciation to John W. Kader for the tireless donation of his time and expertise for the benefit of the public and take cognizance of his accomplishments and contributions to our town. Given this 27th day of March in the year 2023, do I hear a so moved on the above proclamation? So moved. Do I hear I can... a second? second? All right. I... I hear a motion second. and a second, uh, and I, I heard lots of motions and lots of seconds, so uh, <laughs> all those in favor of this motion, let's see, uh, uh, Jason? Aye. Kristen? Aye. Scott? Aye. Julianne? Aye. I also very much vote aye. Voted is unanimous in favor. John, congratulations. And thank you. And we will be uh, be signing this thing uh, in, in the near future, and uh, we'll do our best to get, to get it to you on paper for the end of the week. Thank you very much. Uh, I hope that everyone was, was un unexpected and, and and much appreciated. The only thing I would add to that is um, that was a team effort. That was not me. That was you, all the boards and committees, and and probably most importantly the staff and volunteers in the community as a as an organization as a town we accomplished a lot and uh, i just want to thank everybody for their heartfelt um comments and support and uh and just thank all the boards committees and staff for years of uh of great working relationship i'm going to miss uh gonna miss all of you so it's our, it's our pleasure, John, and um, uh, and I also want to thank Di uh, in the office for uh, helping to put that together. She did uh, most of that hard work, um, as always. So uh, with that behind us, um, we'll now move on to the fun part of the agenda. Uh, first item on our public uh, agenda, as always, is public comment. If there is anyone in the audience that wishes to comment upon anything that is not on the agenda, go ahead and raise your virtual hand. Uh, we do have a couple of public hearings during the meetings. So you'll have ample opportunity to express uh, thoughts, particularly on, on budget and um, uh, and a, a um, liquor store issue. Um, public hearing, I see no hands going up, going once, going twice, gone. So uh, we will now um, open the joint, oh, we've got meeting minutes, I'm sorry. Meeting minutes, uh, March 13th, 2023. Would someone like to make a motion on those? Uh, perhaps Kristen can and unmute. 
I'm sorry, I don't have that screen open and I was having, I have so many things open with all the different. That's um, all right. Perhaps you would like to move the board vote to approve the March 13th, 2023 I, minutes as presented. I would, yes, yeah, so moved. Thank you. Second. Excellent. <laughs> okay, motion made by Kristen, seconded by Julianne, I think. Um, any other discussion? All those in favor, uh, Kristen. Aye. Scott. Aye. Jason. Aye. Julianne. Aye. I also vote aye. Vote is unanimous in favor. Meeting minutes are approved. Now we will open the public hearing um, for the, with the Board of Selectmen and the Appropriations Committee on the FY 2024 proposed budget. Uh, <laughs> Chief, if you wouldn't mind bringing uh, our friends from the Appropriations Committee into our meeting. Members of the Appropriations Committee, as you're brought in, if you would like to unmute yourself uh, and turn on your camera, if you'd so be interested in doing, and um, I assume, Mr. Chair, you would like to call your meeting to order. Good evening, and thanks for having us, uh, <clears throat> Mr. Chair. I'd just like to um, call to order the July 27th joint meeting between the Appropriations Committee and the Board of Selectmen. This is to call the order of the Appropriations Committee. Perhaps you mean the March 27th? I think you said July. March yeah. 27th, my apologies. Okay. Thinking summer, that's okay. I just had another meeting about July, so um, the March 27th meeting. Um, all those in favor? Thank you. Okay, a public hearing is open. Um, and why don't we uh, get started unless uh, Tim, you had any introductory remarks, I'll hand it over to John for um, for a walk through the budget. No, we're good. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, so in the packet for anybody at home that's following along, uh, uh, the packet is all up. There is a copy of the um, line item budget that is included in the town meeting warrant booklet. That's the legal budget that gets approved by, uh, by town meeting, uh, as well as uh, a presentation that uh, normally I don't like to give the presentation out ahead of time because people will follow, you know, move ahead, but, uh, but uh, it's included there so people can uh, follow along. So uh, with that, I'm gonna screen share and kind of walk you through this presentation. John, before we get started, would yes. you prefer that we hold off questions until the end or ask questions as we go along? Um, if, yeah, I, I don't mind being interrupted if somebody has a question, um, that, that's fine. There's uh, quite a bit of information here, as you know, so I'm happy to answer questions as we go along. Sure, and uh, members from, of the public the will, have, will have your opportunity to, uh, to, yeah. to chime in with questions as well, uh, probably after the presentation, but before we take any action, of course. Right. Okay, very good. So uh, obviously this is the fiscal 2024 uh, budget, which begins July 1. In terms of setting the table, the agenda, uh, we're looking to uh, kind of cover the goals and assumptions for fiscal 21. 
One of the things I always like to do is uh, is to give the full picture and uh, of the general fund budget, uh, and that means covering how all these pieces fit together, which is the the key budgets that we are most focused on, which is the K to eight schools, Algonquin Regional High School, Assabet, and then general government. And the balance of this presentation tonight will be focused on the general government, essentially the non-school departments, police, fire, DPW, and so forth. Um, as I always like to do, again, um, start, begin with the end of mind here. Uh, there's no surprises in this uh, budget. It's essentially, as we discussed back in December of last year, uh, in the financial trend monitoring meeting, it's a level service budget. The goal here is to maintain the current level of services. There's no big expansions or, uh, or um, uh, significant changes. I do also want to emphasize again, this is a, a, another rebuilding year. We're still recovering from uh, the impacts of the pandemic and COVID. Uh, our financial reserves, we did not make contributions for a couple of years. We delayed OPEB trust uh, fund contributions for several years. We deferred uh, capital and a lot of the operating budgets, as you know, were constrained, particularly during fiscal uh, 21 and 22, and we've been able to start to come back in 23, but there's still a lingering uh, impacts of the, on those budgets. Uh, the last part, uh, a point that I would make is, as I'm sure everybody knows and feels, uh, there's a lot of inflationary forces at play in this budget, particularly in terms of utilities and expense lines. So uh, we have not been immune to those uh, to those impacts. So in terms of the overarching goals, uh, there's there's four goals that we always uh, include uh, when we talk about this in the financial trend monitoring and the general the general goals of the budget in terms of maintaining the town's fiscal integrity. Uh, so the one uh, first one is to protect our overall financial condition, which just means our ability to maintain services and withstand interruptions like storms and pandemics and things like that. Um, we wanna make sure uh, that as part of that, one of the ways that we do that is by gathering every year, at least once a year, often multiple times a year, to look at trends and forecasts and so forth to make sure that all the policy boards and committees like tonight all are on the same page and have the same information. We also wanna make sure that we comply with our, uh, with our um, comprehensive policies limiting the amount of free cash and you know, one-time revenues in the operating budget, making sure that we're doing capital planning, maintaining debt levels, and, uh, and last but not least, making sure that we're maintaining an appropriate level of financial reserves so that we can protect the town when something unknown hits. Uh, we also want to maintain Northborough clearly as an affordable place to live. Uh, we do that through a number of uh, uh, objectives. One is we have lived for years and continue to live within the confines of, of Prop two and a half. We do have levy capacity and that the capacity is available to us, but we are not even close to requiring a Prop two and a half override. Um, we maintain a single tax rate for our economic development purposes. And um, uh, we have also been very good about negotiating sustainable collective bargaining labor and staffing agreements. So all of that's helped us to maintain North Carolina as an affordable place. Um, and then last but not least, you know, it's tough when uh, we have elected and appointed board and committee members. Generally, they're often focused on a single year or a term, which is three years most often. And so uh, we wanna make sure that we have a way to interject long run solvency issues like un unfunded liabilities, pension liabilities, debt, capital investments, 
those into the operating budget. So we want to make sure that we're we're handling all of these uh, overarching umbrella goals. So as I mentioned in the beginning, you know, we are still recovering. The town is recovering uh, from COVID. Sometimes I feel like we have long COVID. You know, there's uh, things are improved and and mostly back to normal, but there's still lingering symptoms that uh, that are dogging us. Um, we have dealt with the impact. So, you know, multiple years of reduced expenditures. So, you know, there's needs and budgets uh, that'll come out a little bit. We talked a little bit about some of the school increases this year. As I mentioned, we, you know, did not contribute to our stabilization fund, our financial reserves for a couple of years. We got back on that last year. We need to continue this year. Um, the capital investments is something we'll talk about a little bit more, but we have, you know, through a period of reduced capital investments, you know, that is built up and that's something that needs to be uh, dealt with. Probably the biggest issue and the main way that we got through the pandemic, and it's important to keep reminding people of this, is we simply did not make contributions to our other post-employment benefit trust fund. This is our unfunded li liability for uh, essentially employee benefits, retiree benefits. So we did not make over a million dollars in uh, contributions. We just for forgo those. Uh, we did 21 and 22. In fiscal 23, the year we're in right now, instead of contributing uh, 550,000, we were only able to do $300,000. So in fiscal 24, one of the things you'll hear me highlight tonight is that we are going to get back on that funding schedule with $550,000 in fiscal 2024. And as I mentioned before, uh, it's rippling through everything, escalating uh, electricity costs, you know, salt is up $10 a, a ton, uh, supplies, labor expenses, everything is up right now. And so that's had a, a, an overall ripple effect through the budget as we put it together. Just in terms of the basic assumptions for this budget, um, we're assuming that we're going to stay within Prop 2.5, but be able to use excess levy capacity to maintain current services. Uh, we are not dipping into financial reserves uh, beyond the 500000 that we typically use in the operating budget, so we're not uh, creating a, a structural deficit. As I mentioned uh, just a moment ago, we are returning to funding our OPEB trust fund. This is our unfunded liability back at 550000 That is uh, something that we absolutely need to do. Moving forward, this town is going to have to revisit the funding plan because we skipped about $1.35 million of OPEB uh, financing. And so we need to find a way to make that up. You've heard me say before, just like in your personal life, if you were laid off or you were sick and you were unable to work, you would stop contributing to your retirement account. But as soon as you're back on your feet and you're back on track, you have to make up for that lost time. And that's a discussion that um, this town is gonna need to have probably in the fall of this year when we look at trends and, uh, and forecasting. Uh, this budget does, through the free cash, uh, uh, contribute to a stabilization fund. We want to maintain our financial reserves between 8 and 10%. And if we don't contribute uh, money into those reserves, uh, as our budget grows, as a percentage, our reserves dip down. And so uh, contributing 200000 in this budget will allow us to maintain our reserves just north of 8%, which is really where we want to be. And then, as I've said before, we need to continue making those capital investments. Revenues, as we look at the revenues for fiscal 2024, you know, it's a, it's a mixed bag. You know, we've got things going up, some things going down. The net effect is overall uh, general fund revenues are projected to go up 3.4%. So tax receipts is, is probably the, well, is the largest component of that. 
Um, it includes an estimate for new growth at 40 million. One of the things you've heard me talk about uh, for years is that we aren't seeing the level of new growth that we did before. Our economic development, particularly our commercial industrial, is uh, tapering off. As the town approaches build out, that will continue to be the trend. So um, we'll get redevelopment, but you're not going to see, you know, like the, the mall in Avalon Bay or the significant development that we've seen uh, down off of Bartlett Street. Once the land is built out, it's built out as we approach uh, uh, that build out. We're not going to see much more. So we're going to probably hover around 30 to $40 million of new growth, you know, for the foreseeable future. I do want to mention that these tax receipts include debt service for the high school project. This is not the athletic field. This is the original high school project from 2004. We're still paying that off, and that won't be paid off until, I believe, 2027. Uh, but the library, senior center, Lincoln Street School debt, and just the um, limited amount of fire station, one of the things that's hitting the budget this year is debt service for the land and the soft costs. So the land acquisitions for 6165 West Main, 10 Monroe, as well as uh, we're just moving forward this Friday with selection of an OPM and then a designer. So those costs uh, are now hitting our debt service lines. In terms of local receipts, uh, we actually had 4.17 million in local receipts uh, budgeted last year. So this number's down, let me explain why. Uh, motor vehicle, hotel meals, those are all looking good, they're improving. However, uh, we had a settlement agreement, a legal agreement that uh, was reached over the high school uh, reimbursement money. And essentially, it was eight years of the town of Southboro uh, making good on money that uh, we won in the court case that should have come to Northboro. It's about $232,000 a year. Well, fiscal 23, the year we're in now is the last year. So those local receipts, that money is gone uh, forever. Um, so they've paid off what they owed us. And... Um, and that money now is dipped. So even though our local receipts are, are healthy and they're returning, that, that payment now is dropping off. So the net effect is that local receipts are actually down a little bit for fiscal 2024. State aid, we'll talk about in a little bit more detail, but essentially the governor released her budget on the 23rd of February, and uh, it contains a 2% increase. That process will play out. The House and the Senate budget process will just get is just getting started. We aren't going to know what those numbers are until well after town meeting. And then last but not least, as I said, each year we use 1% in available funds, approximately $500,000 of free cash rolled forward into the next year's operating budget. So in total, it's about a 3.14 increase in revenues. So let's talk about state aid, guys. So as I said, this year was a very unique year in that um, we have a change in the uh, governor administration. And when that happens, uh, typically the governor's budget is due the uh, third Wednesday in January. Because of the change in administration, that wasn't due until March 1st. So Governor Healy did release some limited chapter, uh, some limited Cherry Street sheet uh, revenues for local receipts, I'm sorry, for local aid in, on February 24th. Um, the issue that we face is, uh, well, let me back up here. Typically in December, the state gets together and they do a revenue consensus hearing where they bring in the Department of Revenue economists and everybody. And the purpose is to get agreement on what they think their, their revenues are gonna increase. 
it's a nice window into the Massachusetts economy. And it, and it does relate to some degree in terms of what kind of economic growth or bounce we might see at the local level. Um, that normally takes place in December. That didn't happen until February 24th this year. The estimate is 1.6%. So the state is estimating through a consensus revenue hearing that their revenues are going to go up 1.6%. Don't believe it. It's going to go up more than that. So don't believe it. So here's the game that's been played. Over the years, over the years, we have worked with the MMA to partner with the administration to make sure that local receipt, that our share of unrestricted general government aid goes up at the same level that the state revenue consensus hearing goes up. The problem is throughout the years, when you're when you're operating through years where revenues are escalating significantly, which has been the case as we've recovered from the pandemic, they're two, three, four, five times as much as the revenue consensus hearing number is. And so when the state takes last year's revenue consensus number and then compares it, um, we're getting shortchanged. We made this case last year and ultimately the legislature, uh, instead of uh, a roughly 2%, I think we got about a 4% uh, increase. But uh, one of the things we spoke with our legislative delegation about strongly is that it needs to be based off of the actual numbers, not uh, an arbitrary number at the beginning of the year. So as their revenues go up through the course of the year and the state modifies their revenue projections, we wanna make sure that we're making uh, the, the increases based off those real numbers, not the artificial ones that were picked at the beginning of the year. So the governor did release her budget on February 23rd and includes a 2% increase for Northborough. So here's the thing about state aid. You'll read a lot in the paper about massive amounts of increases to local aid. And particularly, they talk about the increases that are coming in chapter 70, which is education aid. So the thing you wanna understand when it comes to state aid, 72% of our Northborough state aid is in the form of chapter 70, education aid. That's not moving up hardly at all. The unrestricted general government aid represents about 22% of our state aid. Uh, really all that is, is primarily lottery funds. They call it unrestricted general government aid, but it's lottery funds that were passed only for the benefit of municipalities. So I'll share one statistic with you and you'll understand why Northborough historically has only gotten one to 2% in state aid. So the state is touting that they have increased Chapter 70, so this is education aid statewide, $586 million statewide. However, 71% of that is going to 32 districts, so less than 10% of the school districts. So what that means is the balance, $41 million, is being carved up by 212 districts, of which Northborough is one. So 400 and 18 million is going to 32 districts, and then 41 million statewide is going to 212 districts. So as a, as a minimum aid community, the town of Northboro gets $30 a student. That's it. So it's about a 1.17% increase in chapter 78 for us. So that's why when you hear the state talking about the increases in local aid, Northboro has not and will not see that. The vast majority of the money through the Student Opportunity Act is going to school districts in need, and we are not considered a school district in need. The last point I would make here is that 
one of the things we spoke with our legislative delegation about is that minimum aid for communities like Northborough that are fairly well off, that minimum aid needs to be uh, go from $30 to $100. And that's what we asked for. And if that happens, we'll see a little bit extra, a little bit extra money. But by and large, right now we are budgeting uh, 2%. Um, there's a lot to happen between now and when the state approves their final, uh, their final uh, numbers. Uh, but as I say every year, once we lock in our budget and we go to town meeting because we don't know, uh, any state aid that we receive above the estimate gets applied when we set the taxes to basically reduce the tax impact. Student Opportunity Act, the legislature, this is not a mathematical exercise, it's a political exercise. And that's why based on the current formulas for local aid, Northboro is not likely to see much. This is a graph you've seen this many times. If you look at the last you know, 10 you know, years or so of state aid, you can see it's gone up every year, but it's gone up one or 2%. And it looks like a positive trend. You see the, the uh, valleys with the arrows, those are recessionary periods. We all know we were headed, basically we were facing recessionary headwinds when the pandemic uh, came about. So that recession never really materialized, uh, but, um, we didn't see, we saw modest increases in our, in our state aid. But this is the chart that tells the story. So this is just state aid in nominal dollars, how it flows through, right? So it looks like it's a positive trend from say fiscal 13 to fiscal 2023. But when you look at state aid as a percentage of our revenues, it has been deteriorating. We saw a little bit of bump in 2023, which was nice. We might see a little bump in 2024, but, as a percentage of our revenue, state aid used to be 13% back in 2003. And in, in, in fiscal 2024, it's going to be about 8%. So the moral of the story is our second largest revenue source after taxes, after local taxes, is shrinking as a percentage of the budget. And really, all that means is that it puts the shift onto the local tax burden. So unless you're Unless your tax base is growing, you got a lot of new growth, or your local receipts are are booming and charging ahead, which isn't the case in our in Northboro at the moment. Um, all the pressure shifts and focuses on the on the tax bill, and that's important for people to to uh, recognize. This is a uh, budget and brief. This is the whole budget in one place, very 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 quickly. So it shows a fiscal 23 budget, uh, 24 proposed, the variance and the percentage increase. And so as you go down, you have general government, the various schools, uh, K-8, Algonquin, Assabet, uh, Warren Articles, and then debt service for the Senior Center, Lincoln Street, and, and the fire station we talked about. So overall, general fund is up 3.47%. Uh, when you take the enterprise funds into, into account, it's 3.67%. So key budgets, what most people are focused on, uh, K-8 schools. K-8 schools are up almost 5%. Um, we had very long, and the Appropriations Committee had very long meeting with the superintendent, requested quite a bit of information. The long and short of it is that about half of that increase is due to special education uh, uh, costs over which they really have little to no uh, discretion. So roughly half that is, uh, is regular education expenses. The other half of that increase is special education. So if you remember back in 
December, we typically look at about a three and a half percent increase as being necessary to maintain our current level of services. That was not a figure that the superintendent could make work the K-8 level. General government, so the non-school departments, uh, is increasing about 975,000 uh, or 3.98 percent. So again, if you go back to uh, December, our target was three and a half percent. The only difference between the level service budget at three and a half percent and this 3.98 figure that's before you tonight is the inclusion of $117,000 for a uh, fire department deputy chief position, which we'll talk about in a little bit more detail. A uh, little bit of good news on ACIBIT. Uh, we have less students going there. It's down from 68 to 64. Overall, their operating and debt assessment is only going up 1.27%. Those of you that have been around know that this assessment can swing wildly based on the number of students that attend ACIBIT. The other is the uh, Algonquin Regional High School. You know, last year we had basically no increase. It was more or less flat. And sometimes it depends on what's happening with the shifting enrollment. Uh, this year, uh, the enrollment is pretty, pretty, pretty flat between North, Northboro and Southboro, and the increase is $585,000 or 4.34%. So again, that operating assessment is higher than, again, just the, the modeling numbers that we looked at back in December. And again, we don't know, we don't have any idea what these numbers are until the school department goes through the exercise and, uh, and uh, determines what we're gonna get for state aid. I'll just share one interesting tidbit regarding the high school assessment is when we first met uh, and the superintendent met with the appropriations committee, that assessment was 4.13. And we were using fiscal 23, the old state aid numbers. When the new state aid numbers came in, the assessment actually went up because under the formula, the state increased Northboro's minimum local contribution. So that factor is what is driving a good chunk of this uh, increase at the uh, Algonquin. In terms of overall expenditures, these uh, percentages haven't really shifted much. You know, the school department is roughly 60% of the budget, um, which includes the K-8 Algonquin operations and the ACIBIT uh, assessment. Um, insurance, general government at 21%. And uh, the one I would, point out here is our debt and interest is now down to 2.9%. So that actually is getting to the point where it's too low. When we take on the fire station building project, that will come back up to somewhere around, you know, five, 6%, which is generally you want to be in that, uh, you know, five to 10% range if you're making regular investments in your capital. So now shifting gears, that's sort of the big picture of what's happening with the general fund and the key budgets that everybody is looking out for. I'm now gonna shift gears and just talk about the general government uh, side, the non-school sides and what's happening. Uh, I'll share tonight uh, an executive session before our meeting. Uh, the board was able to approve the last collective bargaining agreement with the sergeants. So as of right now, uh, all of our fiscal 2024 collective bargaining agreements have been settled. For 2% COLAs, um, there may be stipends and other things that are in there as well, but all of our contracts are now settled. We have in the police department, we have a kind of a unique situation. We had an a, a officer who was out on a long-term leave for uh, a couple of years. 
Um, I wasn't sure if or when that officer would return, but we've had uh, vacancies in the police department. And, uh, and so the decision was made to backfill because they were running short for so long to backfill that position. Well, that officer unexpectedly uh, may be returning. So now in the police budget, we are carrying an extra officer and that expense is about $95,000. So one of the things the town will need to do uh, the, uh, moving forward is that's not a permanent increase in the staffing of the police department, but it can be if the board chooses down the line. Um, but if somebody leaves, uh, we don't, uh, the, the department is not authorized to backfill that position without a further discussion. I mentioned um, the new deputy chief uh, position that is included in the budget. And um, those of you that have been around for a long time, you know that the last time the town of Northborough did a comprehensive staffing study, uh, we spent uh, $90,000. Uh, to look at the police and the fire department using mitigation funds. And we did a full operational review on both departments. At the time, the two chiefs each were asking for 10 new staff, which was something that I didn't feel was sustainable. And so through that review, we wound up adding uh, a couple of extra police officers and, uh, and a couple of extra uh, firefighters to increase the shift, uh, the, the number on uh, each shift. The one position that was recommended in that 2015 study that's been requested for the last several years, and obviously we couldn't entertain it during the pandemic, but this position has been on deck to be funded was the uh, deputy chief uh, position. So uh, again, after looking at all departments and doing a very deep dive into public safety, this is the one position that has remained unfunded, but basically on deck. So this is the only position that we have studied that there is a need for um, and has been for uh, for the better part of five years. So the reason why this is coming forward this year is uh, the fire chief is um, entering his uh, last couple final years. So he'll be uh, mandatory retirement. Uh, it's not a choice. Uh, we have a long-term 39, 40-year uh, veteran uh, fire captain that's also retiring. So we've got this institutional memory that's starting to shift out and we need to very much take seriously uh, succession planning and continuity of operations. And that's why uh, I did work to get the general government budget down to the three and a half percent target figure. But uh, because the police officer returned, originally all along, I thought I had capacity to fit that deputy chief position in there. But at the 11th hour, literally within the last you know, three weeks, um, that police officer return meant I couldn't fit that position. So, uh, so we have asked for that deputy chief position uh, to be included in this budget. A couple of other points. Um, we have just completed a master plan for our, uh, our MIS, our IT, GIS, um, geographic information systems. We also worked uh, with the town of Westboro and we had a cybersecurity uh, audit that was done. And uh, they recommended uh, some, some cybersecurity improvements in, in the MIS uh, IT department. So those uh, are included in this, uh, in this budget as part of that three and a half percent base increase. John, could you uh, jump back to that slide again? I suspect yep. we'll have um, a little bit of conversation on a couple of those items. Um, 
the obviously the, the the top bullet there is great news all around that that we were able to settle those agreements. Yes. Um, the additional police officer, um, the board has been aware of this. The public may not have been aware of this by by just by the nature of things. Um, so so that item is is not a surprise as of tonight. The other two items are. Um, I know back in 2015 there was that study done. Um, I know in years past that the deputy fire chief position had been discussed, um, as well as a number of other possible positions added to the town. This is the first time that this position has come before the board this year or probably in the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, I, for one, have some concerns bringing a new position um, forward during the public hearing um rather than you know the process for example the school committees follow is they have a presentation early in the process with possible positions that could be added and then through a lot of public discourse and and debate deliberation they uh, make some some decisions throughout the process and arrive at a, at a final figure with any positions that are added in the end um i have some concerns about this process and i want to be very clear um, i have no problem adding a deputy fire chief um, I think for the reasons you spell out, it makes some sense to do. Does it make sense to do now versus some of the other positions that I've heard very uh, mentioned already many times, such as um, a full-time finance director or an assistant director at the DPW? And I've heard of, of some other positions that have been requested around town. That's something the board should do. So I, I'm, I'm stating yes. this now um, partially because I know that Potential town administrators are watching our meetings now, and I think the board needs to set some expectations as far as process that needs to be followed going forward. We are where we are now. Um, I'm certainly open to any of the board's uh, input and discussion on, on this versus anything else. Um, and the MISGIS upgrade, I hadn't even heard until, until I, I got the packet Friday night. Yeah, and again, these that, that's routine. To we replace servers, we do this. I'm just highlighting. I'm just highlighting some of the the MIS um, work that's being done. It's it's every year we're replacing equipment, we're replacing servers. I'm just highlighting that. Just coming back to the deputy chief. Um, so the deputy chief is something that we've discussed with uh, was discussed with appropriations. We had a couple of things this year. It was a very unique budget process. Uh, having the labor contracts hanging out there for as long as they they did. Normally, the police and fire, are, because they're two of the largest budgets, they're the ones that go before appropriations first. It's usually public safety, DPW, schools, and then we get into library, senior center, but we go with the bigger uh, departments first. We kicked the uh, fire department off because, as you know, we were in mediation with the fire union trying to settle their contract. And so we're waiting to get that contract um, squared away. Uh, the deputy chief uh, position was, you know, was known and discussed uh, early on. It has been discussed over the years. I, I understand that there's new people on the board that might not be aware of that existing study and that need that's been that's been around for years. Um, but again, we're at the point where that is uh, a position due to upcoming transitions. That's why it made it in here. And, you know, as I said, too, you know, it was originally something that should be able to fit into, you know, the uh, three and a half percent target. Um, but at the 11th hour with the police officer returning, it couldn't fit. Uh, last point I would make is, you know, I did I did recommend, uh, you know, a, a while back uh, that the board use some ARPA funds 
to do a comprehensive staffing study. I still think that's something that would be of great value to the community. Um, there are a lot of competing needs, and I don't think there's a department uh, in the town that wouldn't make a, a, a pitch for why they could use or, or would need additional um, staffing. I do think that needs to be done on a holistic basis. I, I think it needs to be looked at across all departments and collectively. In fact, the fire department has requested additional staffing in addition to this, as has the police department and many others. Um, this position is different in that from the last comprehensive uh, look that we've done, uh, this was the last position that uh, was agreed upon that we were going to fill. So we have filled all the other, we filled the police officers, firefighter, paramedic positions, um, and we just weren't able to get to this one for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is, you know, the pandemic um, hitting. So that's why this is coming now. I don't want to think people think that this was dropped in at the 11th hour. But I do think and very strongly recommend that the board release ARPA funds to do a comprehensive staffing study to look across all the departments, because that's something that is, uh, is, is long, long overdue. Uh, moving forward with general government highlights, uh, the biggest thing that is moving money around that's going to make things a little bit confusing this year is, as you know, we we hired our, our full-time facilities director. Uh, we have now reorganized and created the facilities division within DPW. And so when you look down and you look at the senior center and the library and some of the, any building, any department that has a building, fire station, uh, police station, we've moved all the building maintenance expenses out of those uh, individual departments and put them into this centralized account. So we had previously a public buildings account that had some centralized stuff uh, in terms of you know, building maintenance, but most of the, anybody who had a building as part of their department also carried their, their maintenance stuff. So you'll see a lot of those, when you see those uh, percentages moving around, it, the net effect is, is, pretty, is pretty flat. Um, but what we've done is we've consolidated all those all of those expenses now under our facilities division, where the director then is able to manage those expenses, get economies of scale. And one of the things that uh, one of the real benefits is that uh, we're going to be able to be a lot more proactive in terms of uh, building maintenance and uh, and work, particularly on the systems, HVAC systems and uh, heating systems and so forth. So, um, so that is what's happening behind the scenes. If, as you look through the line items, I'd say that explains 90% of the movement of things that look strange, like why is one up and one is, is down. None of those budgets have been cut. They've all increased, but it's just depending on how much was moved from those building accounts that makes it look a little bit uh, unique this time. What we tried to do is we tried to make all the moves in one budget cycle so that it doesn't keep continuing to cause you know, uh, confusion. So everything has been redistributed, it's all centralized. So that's why DPW budget is way up and the senior center and the library look like they're down. Those budgets are in fact both up. It's just the building maintenance costs have been moved. On a positive note, uh, fully getting out of the pandemic, last year, fiscal 23, recreation was only 53% uh, self-sufficient. They're back to being 100% self-sufficient with program fees. So that's where they normally rest. That just changed during the pandemic. Uh, family use services includes uh, the interface mental health referral service. This has been phenomenal. We have basically been able to outsource all of our counseling 
for a very uh, reasonable fee. Folks within two weeks are paired up with a uh, with a, an appropriate counselor that uh, specializes in their area. Um, uh, the referral service lines them up with a counselor that takes their service. Uh, this has been in place for a couple of years now. I think the caseload down there now is about four people uh, for counseling services. Um, uh, roughly, it might move around a little bit, but we've been able to solve that entire issue uh, by going with this service, uh, which has been just terrific for us. I have a bright spot here. Our health insurance budget is actually uh, being held to a zero this year. Now, this is the budget. The premiums are increasing, but we've had a few things happen uh, that helps us stay within a, a zero budget this year. If you go, there's, I always like to show the history. Every time the health insurance budget goes up or has a, a significant jump to it, we have worked with all of our employees to mitigate that. It could be through contribution changes, most often through some plan design changes. We've gone out to bid. We've done carrier consolidation. So in fiscal 23, you know the story. We joined with Southborough and the high school, and we bid it out through a joint procurement association. The other benefit is in fiscal 23 this year, we were able to consolidate the senior plans. So uh, one that we had uh, one of the plans that was phasing out, and we were able to move everybody to a more cost-effective plan. It saved what would have been the equivalent of about a 5% increase in the health insurance budget, a little over $300,000. So that savings uh, is gonna help us in fiscal 23. So at the year end, uh, when this fiscal year wraps up, we'll have a good amount of free cash generated by that account for that reason. But it also gave us the capacity for fiscal 2024 to hold it to a 0%. The other thing that's happened is we've had uh, quite a bit of turnover. A lot of mention about public safety. We've had a lot of turnover in police. Uh, and so we have older employees leaving, younger employees coming. Many of them do not require health insurance when they first arrive here. So it's been it's somewhat unique in that we've actually seen the number of uh, folks taking our health insurance drop down temporarily. Uh, all that combined has been able to allow us to uh, budget for fiscal 2024 a 0% increase. The beauty of this is if you look at the table on the right-hand side, so for over a little over a decade now, uh, the average of our health insurance budget increases now is about a 2.69. That's true, very heavy, very consistent active management and a, a true partnership with our all the employee groups, including the uh, K-8 schools. So a bright spot if there is one. I mentioned uh, OPEB, other post-employment benefits. And uh, the big, uh, just get a little bit of history, you know, we have about a $50 million uh, unfunded liability at the moment. Um, the good news is, as we've been putting money aside, if you go to the second last bullet, um, we have appropriated about $3.35 million into this fund. And its value right now, as of uh, February of this year, is about $5 million. So we're about 10% funded. 10% funded is not a great funding uh, figure. It's better than most. Um, but over time, if we stay with it and we're consistent, uh, that's how you're going to improve that, that funding, uh, that funding ratio. The problem is we didn't put any money in in fiscal 21 or 22. And in fiscal 23, we only put 300,000 in. So in fiscal 24, the year that we're talking about right now, that's going to go back up to $550,000. So that is an additional $250 of you know, tax impact. But we have got to get back on track with that funding. 
couple of highlights here in terms of uh, capital, um, just showing the success of our uh, pavement management plan. Again, we need to spend about 1.1 million. Uh, when you look at the jump between 21 and 22, this is the pay pavement condition index. And just like when you were in school, you know, a 70 is a C, C minus, you know, and uh, a 78 or an 80 is a B minus. So what happened is we started funding some of our culvert work separately. So we did the Lincoln Street culvert, which is 300,000. So that capacity went into the roadways. We put a little bit more when we had a good, healthy, free cash uh, the previous year. And then the state made pothole money, additional supplemental money available. So you can see how uh, for the last, you know, from 19 to 21, we actually saw that pavement condition index stall and decline a little bit. And then a little bit of investment gets it back on track. But we do need minimally $1.1 million. We spend a great deal of time talking with a legislative delegation about this need. Couple other things. Uh, we also, just similar to the pavement management plan, we do have a, uh, a sidewalk management report that has been completed. We know we have about $2.1 million in a backlog of, of sidewalk work that needs to be done. And I bring this to your attention because, you know, as we start to build out long-term plans, this needs to be factored in somehow. We need to, uh, we need to spend about $200,000 to $300,000 a year to maintain or, or improve our overall, our sidewalk rating. Again, you know, one of the proposals was potentially use some ARPA funding to deal with a little bit of this backlog to kind of jumpstart our plan to get us back on track. I know the board still hasn't discussed the ARPA funding yet, um, but, uh, but that's something that was brought forward for your consideration. The other thing is, as we talk about capital, of all the things I see facing the town as I, as I get ready to depart, and, uh, and I talk about, well, what would I be thinking about uh, either as the new TA or as, as new board members? You know, we have, um, uh, we've, done, we've become a complete street program, you know, part of the state's complete street program. So there's more, uh, there's some grant funding there, but also a need for new sidewalks, not just to fix these $2.1 million worth of backlogs that we have. Um, we have a downtown uh, visioning project that's ongoing with uh, some anticipated capital expenditures, you know, in the next couple of years. We have the fire station building project that is uh, off and running now that we've acquired the land and it's been remediated. That's coming. Uh, we have town office feasibility study later on in your agenda is, uh, is a appointing of the committee to look at either renovating or building new or uh, moving the town hall. Uh, and also on your agenda tonight, uh, the superintendent of schools is bringing forward the statement of interest to the uh, Mass School Building Authority uh, for the Peasley Elementary School. So these are all big, you know, significant capital uh, initiatives that are coming forward. So the town needs to be cognizant of that and, and work out how we're going to um, space those out as best we can. Also uh, on the agenda for the warrant is the Algonquin Regional uh, high school athletic complex. That's another significant capital project uh, that's coming. So um, we still have the need for not just, you know, trucks replacement and cruiser replacements, which we're largely able to manage within our available funds through free cash. But we have the fire engine, the fire station, the uh, fire engine that's going forward for $900,000 to this town meeting. And we have the DPW tight tank that both those right now are going to be funded with debt. 
So again, I would just stress where you have available funds, uh, whatever the source may be, um, uh, you should give a good hard look at how uh, potentially to remove or to uh, work down some of these significant capital projects that are going to be coming forward to the town. Shifting gears in terms of the global picture, we talked, you know, one of the main assumptions or goals in the, in the beginning is to maintain the town's um, uh, financial condition. This is our dashboard. You know, these are the key indicators that we track and we monitor over time. And it's nice to see quite a bit of green in here, which means those things are favorable. A couple unfavorable, one is state aid. We just talked about that at great length. You know, the, we're just not seeing the state, the growth in state aid that would keep pace with, forget the rate of inflation, but the rate of our budget increases. And then other post-employment benefits, we need to get back onto that, that funding schedule. Employee benefits, you know, health insurance has been stable. As I said, we're able to budget a 0% increase. Uh, pension liability is, is on a funding plan. That's in good shape. Um, the big thing, you know, you look at the bottom here. So overall, our capital investment is trending favorably, but we know we have some significant projects that are coming. I would suggest down the line, uh, whoever comes behind me looks at adding at least one more uh, fiscal indicator under capital investment, and that would be for sidewalks. So we can start tracking that and get that on a funding plan. Uh, and then clearly there are significant uh, building projects that are coming around. Here's a slide everybody uh, will focus on. Um, we talked about this back in December. Uh, back in December during the financial trend monitoring presentation and the forecast, we were showing that if the key budgets go up three and a half percent, which is the minimum they would need in order to try to maintain services. And we've realized that certainly under the K-8 schools in Algonquin, that's not a target that they're going to be able to meet. Um, under that scenario, we were forecasting a, uh, a $459 you know, tax increase. Based on the budgets that I've just presented and that have been submitted and approved by the school committee, uh, K-8 and the regional school committee, uh, we're looking at uh, an estimated tax impact of about $536. Now, a few things will happen as the budget uh, at the state level plays out. It's a pretty good chance we're going to get a little bit more in state aid. That will act to reduce this tax impact. When the uh, regional high school gets an, uh, you know, an increase in state aid, there's a very real possibility that later in the fall, they may vote or should be able to vote to reduce the assessment a little bit. Um, so, and we, so we may see some additional revenues, uh, some additional local receipts, uh, all the things that happen at the end of the year when uh, in November, when you actually set the tax rate. So, uh, so there's a chance that this number will, will be slightly less, but the bottom line for all the reasons I've been talking about for the last several years, um, all the pressure, you know, the local receipts aren't growing, the new growth, the economic development isn't, isn't moving much. Um, the state aid numbers are one to 2%, and we're dealing with rates of inflation and escalation and expense lines that far exceed what these budgets are going up. So we try to save money where we can, uh, like in the health insurance, but the net effect of all this is that there's going to be, continue to be significant pressure on the, uh, on the tax bill. So uh, as always, a disclaimer, the model that this in, it shows uh, is based on a 5% estimated increase in a single family home that's valued at about 580,000 roughly. 
Um, the one thing we're seeing is the market, the real estate market for single family homes is cooling off. So that's not such a factor in that uh, the shifting of the tax uh, burden uh, this year. But, um, but it's really the increases in the, in the budgets uh, for the schools and the, and the general government that, that and the lack of growth in the revenue side that's going to have that upward uh, pressure if we, if we want to maintain the current level of services. And again, at both the K-8 schools and the high school, there's no rapid expansion. You know, there are a position or two that's being uh, funded or amended, uh, just like on the town side. There's one position that's included as a, a, in terms of growth. And uh, we view those additions as being really what's necessary to maintain the current level of, of services. So just wrapping up, um, the budget is within the confines of Prop Two and a Half and our town policies. So there's no gimmicks here, but we are, you know, dipping into levy capacity significantly to make this happen. Um, we're maintaining our core departmental services emissions, restoring OPEB. Uh, as I mentioned, we have settled our union contracts at what I would say is a reasonable, sustainable price point. Um, there's a lot of pressure out there in the market upwards on, on. Um, on uh, wages and personnel. Uh, so for us, what we have is, you know, there's a cost of living increase, but what we're finding is when we're out in the market, we're, we're having to bring people in further up on the salary range in order to attract them. So that all, you know, adds to when someone leaves, we're finding that we're paying more for positions, you know, as we try to recruit people. Um, so to the best of our abilities, maintaining core services and the missions, uh, we're trying to keep the tax impacts, you know, reasonable. And although it's not the answer, um, uh, I will say over the last several years, as you look to our neighbors on 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 most sides, their tax impacts are uh, and their tax increases are significantly higher. What we've actually seen on the ranking of the state uh, tax bills is we've seen Northborough continue to to fall on that uh, listing, despite the fact that, you know. We're going to be looking at tax increases that are a little bit more than we're used to seeing, you know, in, in previous years. So um, with that, I'm happy to stop screen sharing and uh, answer any questions that the board may have. Again, my just the other thing is, I, if I may, one last thing, I know you've listened to me talk a lot. Uh, this was a very difficult and very unique budget cycle for a couple of reasons. One, we were in very protracted labor negotiations with our two largest departments. And it was, and that uh, held up a lot of things uh, till the end. Um, the fact that we have a new governor and the schools could not really do their work until they had some peek at where the where the governor's numbers were coming in, that held up, you know, understanding their side of the budget. Um, the last thing is, you know, we did uh, when we did do the conversion to the facilities department, and that moved a lot of things around. That took quite a bit of work to make sure that we weren't missing anything, uh, and that everything was accounted for. And also that every department, like the library and the senior center, were comfortable with these changes uh, that the money was coming out. I think one thing appropriations will tell you is during all of the budget hearings, which they've been conducting for the last couple of months in great detail and all the detailed departmental budgets are up on their, uh, the appropriations committee's website. One thing they heard was every department was actually in favor of the facilities uh, transition. They feel like they're getting much more value 
and, uh, and moving things that they don't know much about to an area that has expertise. The very last thing is, as you all know, I am departing. As you mentioned at the beginning, this is my last meeting. Um, I extended my notice to the town so that I could make sure that I brought you a completed fiscal 2024 budget and a completed uh, 2023 town meeting warrant. And so those two things are brought to you this evening. So, um, but all that made for a somewhat unique budget process this year. With that, I'll stop talking and answer any questions you may have. Thank you very much, John. Um, questions first from the board. Any questions or comments on budget? Uh, Scott Rogers? Yeah, thank you, Mr. Chair. So John, thanks for laying that out. And I know in prior memos, you've, you've laid out some of those um, strategies for funding, uh, some of the long-term elements like, like pavement and stormwater management with the culverts and, and sidewalks. Um, so I think there, there is a bit of unfinished business for us in terms of putting together um, an allocation uh, out of ARPA for those long-term plans. And so I just, um, I'd like to get that on our agenda before um, we, we run out of cycle because we're, we're basically, uh, yeah, have some unfinished business in that department. Is there a time frame that, that you're thinking, Mitch, that we'll be able to have that ARPA discussion? We have a lot of things going on right now um, because we've split off uh, at least one special meeting to talk about uh, uh, planning for succession um, for the next town administrator. We might have time on one of our next couple of board meetings to uh, to talk some some in depth about ARPA and at least some of these funding items. Um, you know, particularly, I'm very interested in starting the process of of sidewalks since it didn't make it that into the budget this year. I, you know, I'd like to entertain some discussion on that. Uh, and some of these other things, sort of give them a little kickstart. Makes sense. One one mitigating factor, and it, it I would have brought it up in reports, but in the area of health and wellness, and where we've had a lot of public input in those categories, one thing that would make the public feel, or should feel, they should feel good about, is that under our health director and under uh, some of the other departments, a lot of those ideas in the area of health and wellness have been completed and, and have been worked on. And there's a number of programs. So when appropriate, uh, and we're, we're ready to have that discussion, uh, perhaps a briefing from our health director on the results of those programs would, would help the public who provided input uh, on those categories uh, feel good about what we've accomplished in the last few years. Thanks, Scott. Okay, Jason. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, uh, first, John, I just want to yeah, thank you for all the work this year. As with other past years, there have been uh, obstacles that have arisen, foreseen and unforeseen. And uh, uh, you, along with town staff, has always managed to uh, put the pieces together and get us to town meeting uh, with a budget that uh, fits within the policy direction of the board. So really appreciate that work. Um, I also want to... Um, to acknowledge the, the concern to get us back on track for our reserve contributions for our OPEB funding and for our uh, capital projects. Um, those are things that get deferred uh, um, 
and to grow too great a backlog on those just makes you know exacerbates the problem uh, and uh, and we need to resync ourselves on the timeline and the expenditures there to ensure that we continue making the uh, the investment we need to maintain our um, maintain our uh, capital infrastructure and also to uh, you know to kind of carve away at that uh, long-term unfunded uh, obligation out there, OPEB. Um, uh, it, it is going to be uh, a continuing concern, particularly uh, from a bond rating evaluation standpoint as we go forward and, and are seeking to do debt assurances. And I think it's important for us to, uh, to continue to be focused on that um, and, and do the right thing uh, in there to keep our financial stability intact. Uh, and then finally, with regard to the, um, the deputy chief position for the fire department, uh, I can kind of look around and see that I'm the only person on the board uh, who was on the board back at the time that study was conducted. So uh, I'm, I'm acquainted with what the outcome of those results were. Uh, certainly the, uh, the staffing increases were somewhat less than both the fire chief and the police chief at the time uh, had uh, you know, uh, advocated for. Um, but I think it was a very measured and very well uh, determined outcome from that study uh, for what the needs were. And uh, I understand that some people might be surprised to see that position come up now. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a surprise to me. Um, and I, I do think that uh, it's been well justified uh, with the arguments made about uh, uh, continuity and transition in the department to uh, to provide you know uh, appropriate leadership uh, and and expertise at that level of the organizational chart. So I'm satisfied that uh, that that is an appropriate thing for us to go forward with this year. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, John. Um, I had a question about the police officer position. Could you just explain that again? Because I was a little confused. It was someone who was gone for a couple of years, so we weren't paying for it for a couple of years, and now he's coming back. And can yeah. you? Thank you. Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. Yeah, you know, you know, on occasion, you know, there's circumstances where somebody is on a, a extended unpaid leave. Mm -hmm. um, in this case, if you remember. The last several years, you've had heard from the police chief. You you've had more. We've replaced more police officers in the last you know two years. I think I did in the last you know ten combined, and so about two thirds of the department almost is, uh, or over a third of the department now is is all new officers, um, and we've had you know significant turnover. It's been a it's been a, a type of a position that's been more difficult uh, for a variety of reasons to recruit and retain for. And so we were uh, we were constantly the chief was constantly running short. So we were cycling out and trying to recruit people. And at the same time, we had this vacancy that was there. And so we had uh, good candidates and the chief made the argument that, hey, let's can can I get authorizations to fill this vacant position? And then chances are we're going to have a vacancy, you know, at some point because they were occurring, on, unfortunately, on a regular basis. And so, um, so the decision was made to backfill that vacant position 
not knowing if or when or if that employee was going to make it back. And then for the first time in six years, we are fully staffed in the police department and we just received notice that this employee is in a position to return potentially, which means we have to carry that position. So either you bring him in and lay off one of the new police officers, or you bring that position, that, that employee back in, and you increase your, your staffing count by one. And then during the course of the fiscal year, if somebody leaves, you don't have to backfill that, that position. Uh, but on the short term, and uh, not only is it, you know, a surprise that we don't have a vacancy because we literally have had vacancies continuously for the last several years. Um, but the employee be returning on July 1, you know, as well. So just as, again, a combination of circumstances, uh, but we need to accommodate that, uh, that individual. And, um, and like I said, whether or not the board uh, down the line of the town uh, wishes to discuss permanently increasing the staffing by, you know, if somebody leaves by potentially backfilling that, that's a discussion that doesn't need to take place tonight. Uh, and the police department is not authorized to backfill if somebody were to leave at the moment. That would have to, that discussion would have to take place. But the bottom line is we essentially have had to add a police officer, at least for this budget cycle. So that is approximately, you know, 95 plus thousand dollars of, you know, budget capacity that was there. As I was developing the budget, we were cognizant of that and trying to maintain that capacity. My goal was to fit the deputy chief and everything in to that three and a half percent increase, which was the, you know, again, it's an arbitrary target, but you know, it's a it's a reasonable target. I know I need at least three and a half percent to sustain, you know, the services. So so that's the situation that happened there. And as you know, board members, you know, that that word just came through, you know, within the last, you know, two or three weeks. So at the 11th hour. So. All right. I, I get it now. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a very strange, it's been a very unique budget process for, yeah. for a number of reasons. And that was, that little gyration was one of them. One small one. Yeah. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Kristen. Julianne. Yeah. So on the um, financial trend monitoring, um, are there any projections for how much state aid we might get when the uh, tax on income earners over a million dollars goes into effect? Yeah, there's really not much information out there on that. That's one of the things that we're waiting for. Um, so here's the thing that I would say to that, Julianne, is just like just like the state committed, you know, 400 and whatever that figure is, 400 and I'm sorry, $586 million more to local aid, but then 212 districts have to share only 41 million of that. Northboro generally is not a recipient of, of increases in state aid. You know, from a public policy standpoint, you can understand that. You know, they're trying to get the, the increased resources to the districts and the towns that are most in need. And for better or for worse, Northboro is, you know, a, a fairly a financially solid community with a good tax base. So uh, when that comes through, I imagine uh, a good part of that will be uh, used for you know education funding, which again, we're not gonna see little to none of that, um, but they still don't know. Um, but I don't, think, I don't think it's gonna have a significant impact. Uh, we, as far as our, our forecast moving forward, 
you know, I think we we plan on one or two percent of uh, of increase in state aid because that's what we've literally seen for the last you know ten years. And so, despite the fact that more you know they generate they uh, they create more or obtain more revenue, it doesn't trickle down to a town like like Northboro for a variety of reasons. But most of it is because the ma the majority 70 percent of state aid comes in the form of education aid, and they're they're purposefully from a policy standpoint directing it to districts in need, and we're not one of them. So I know you'd like to think we're going to get a piece of that. It's possible that they might run some of that through, you know, uh, additional, you know, chapter 90 or infrastructure programs, but even, even the infrastructure programs that they put in place, they are weighted towards, you know, communities in need, you know, because they're often they're competitive grants. And we just, sometimes we're, we're successful, but oftentimes we, we don't make that cut. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Julianne. Um, John, I have I have one question far more into the weeds than uh, than have been asked so far, but I, I don't remember seeing this discussed at appropriations, but I very well may have missed it. In the uh, general fund uh, budget summary, um, I see the treasurer line item is going up by about 12%, about $40,000. I have no objection to that, but I'm curious. Yeah, um, no, that's a great question. It was covered when the finance director came in and reviewed his budget. So it's two things. Uh, one, uh, we've had a lot of pressure on our um, on our town council um, budget uh, due to litigation with the planning board, but also, um, you know, we had, as I mentioned, some difficult uh, labor negotiations, which required town council. If the union brings a lawyer, we kind of have to bring a lawyer. Um, so uh, typically tax title properties uh, uh, when we get into, you know, people aren't paying their taxes and that process of putting a lien on and, uh, potentially, you know, taking the property that was paid or paid paid out of, um, the legal budget. So in order to give a little bit of capacity to legal budget and control over that money, we put $10,000 into that budget. We could have just as easily increased our legal budget by 10,000, but we thought that made more sense. The second reason is during fiscal 23, um, the uh, company that does our, our printing and our bill printing no longer does that anymore. We went out to bid and it was a very significant increase, I believe in the order of about $20,000. It was so significant in fiscal 23 that um, at the last appropriations committee meeting, the finance director had to go in there and ask for a, a transfer from the reserve account. Go ahead, what is it, Jay? Oh, postage. The movement of I'm getting I'm getting my line from the sign here. There's a movement also of postage from the uh, facilities uh, budgets. That's the twenty thousand. My apologies. So <laughs> that was a reallocation uh, of postage uh, over to um, the treasurer's office for uh, for the tax bills, but also the printing of the tax bills was uh, something that was uh, an issue as well. Thanks, questions. John. I appreciate the, the detailed yeah. explanation on that. Um, we've gone through members of the board. Uh, Tim, I don't know if you or your committee have any any questions or anything to offer, and then I'll open it up to uh, to the public as far as the public hearing is concerned. Um, I didn't have any questions. Did any of the other members of appropriation have any questions? No. We're Great. good, Thanks. but thank you, Mr. Chair. 
Sure. All right. Um, this is a public hearing, so we will hear from uh, from those interested in the public. If you are interested, go ahead and raise your virtual hands. I do see one person connected by phone. I do never remember what the key combination is for that star six or star nine or something like that. I trust if you're connected by Zoom through your phone, you know how to do that. Um, I do see one hand raised thus far. Lisa Maselli, um, bringing you in. Hi, Lisa, if you could identify yourself and uh, ask a question. Um, good evening. This is Lisa Maselli, 13 Maple Street. Um, and going over a couple of things about the budget questions, um, Last uh, March 14th, 2022, the Board of Selectmen approved $100,000 from the ARPA funds for a Be Well program, Be Well initiative program. And I think it's uh, again included in this year's budget. And my question is, could that $100,000 be moved over to the deputy uh, fire uh, chief position since it's something that they weren't expecting? And I think that it would be probably something more appropriate at this point since we're in uh, such... Uh, uh, employment straits or for, for personnel, we need more personnel. And then the second question I had was, I noticed that there's um, under the town hall reuse article is a $10,000 amount of money. And I'm assuming that that was the amount of money that was supposed to be used to buy back for West Main Street. But the rest of that article originally um, was $10,000 less repairs. And there's quite a bit of repairs that look like they have to be done at that building. So I'm wondering how they're going to work that out in, from, in terms of getting the, um, the leasee or the man who has the lease right now to take care of his repairs rather than just giving that $10,000. So those are my two questions. Thank you very much, Lisa. John, do you wanna take those? Yeah, so uh, the, the acquisition, that was the appropriation for the reacquisition of 4 West Main Street. Board's well aware of the, the repair issue and, and with legal counsel, we're working through that reacquisition um, right now. Uh, I'm sorry, the first the first question again was- The first question was, I think- Oh, I'm sorry, the Be Well, that's easy. Yeah, yeah so no, the Be Well, uh, the Be Well initiative was a one-off program uh, authorized by the select board. Uh, using ARPA funds. So it never became part of a recurring operating budget and it's not included in the fiscal 2024 budget. Mr. John? Yeah, Mr. Chair. Uh, Scott, yes. Yeah, and just to fill that in more. So that's an example of what I was mentioning is there's a full report on how that um, money was used in the programs that are available that the health director has put together and it's reviewed with the Board of Health and um, town staff. And so those are the types of things that she'd be able to report on, on how that money was used and how no further ARPA, uh, ARPA money is needed for health and wellness. Right. Thanks, Scott. Um, we have another hand up from uh, none other than Greg Martino, Superintendent of Schools. Greg, if you could, uh, I guess for the formality, identify yourself. Sure, Greg Martino, Superintendent of Schools. Um, just uh, two points that I'd like to make. First is the Algonquin Regional High School budget. The increase is 3.36% uh, in terms of the overall total budget. The assessment is... Um, obviously higher than that. And that is a funding formula that we do not control. Um, I will also point out that the school committee did authorize the use of $675,000 in excess and deficiency to offset the assessment impact to both communities of Northboro and Southboro. As a result, Northboro's assessment went down a little over 114 um, 
thousand dollars as a result of the application of E&D. So I just want to make a point that the overall aggregate budget at Algonquin Regional High School went up 3.36%. Um, and then secondly, I just want to um, make it clear that there's zero impact um, to the average value um, tax impact of the average value home in Northborough in FY24 as a result of um, the potential passing of the indebtedness for the Algonquin Regional High School Athletic Complex. So there's no tax impact in FY24. In FY25, the annual average tax impact will be $25. In FY26, it would be $47. So I think I just wanted to make sure those points were clear. Thank you. Appreciate that, Greg. John, just wanted to confirm that the, the latest figures that Greg mentioned um, about uh, impact less what has been offset by the regional school committee is what's in the budget, correct? Yes, that's correct. And, and that is a great point. You know, uh, one of the things that the appropriations committee usually focuses on is, you know, what's the what's the Algonquin Regional High School budget overall doing and is it reasonable? And yes, the superintendent's point is it's, it's a very reasonable increase. As far as the assessment, there are things that he does not control, like the shift in enrollment. But the thing that got us this year, uh, I think surprised everybody, was the state's funding formula that uh, determines what Northboro's minimum local contribution is went up significantly. And again, superintendent doesn't control that, but he's absolutely right. The overall budget increase is very reasonable. The assessment, it is what it is. Thanks, John. Uh, thank you very much, Greg. Uh, let's see. Um, I don't see any other hands up in the audience. I will wait a few more seconds to see if anybody does have any questions. Meanwhile, does any member of the board or appropriations committee have any further questions for our public hearing on the budget? I see none, and I see no uh, virtual hands up in the audience. So uh, I think this ends the, uh, the public hearing. Uh, John, unless you had anything to Additionally, we wanted to say at the end, I'll entertain a motion to close the public hearing. Nothing to add. John, uh, Jason. Uh, Mr. Chair, I move the board vote to close the FY 2024 proposed budget hearing. Second. Motion made by J Jason, seconded by Scott to close the public hearing. Any discussion? Uh, let's see. Uh, Kristen, how do you vote? Aye. Jason. Aye. Julianne? Aye. And Scott? Aye. I also vote aye. Vote is unanimous in favor. The public hearing is now closed, as is uh, that agenda item. Uh, Tim, do you want to uh, take any action with your board this time? Uh, do we have a motion to adjourn? So moved. All those in favor? And we are adjourned. Thank for, you, Mr. For, Chair. For future consideration, uh, re remote meetings do require a, a roll call vote, although I, I think I saw enough hands up, but I'm not going to make a stink of it. They're used to in-person meetings. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Thank you very much for uh, for joining us, members of the Appropriation Committee. You're, you're welcome to stick around for the rest of our meeting in the attendee section, uh, of course. Um, Thank you. Sure. Thanks a lot. Uh, I'll give it a moment, and then... Um, we will then open the public hearing. Uh, we transition to that. We've got a public hearing to consider an application to transfer the wine and malt 
package store license from uh, Kilty Incorporated DBA paired port and plated to Gather Provisions LLC for premises located at 290 West Main Street Unit 8. Um, I see one person who by their name looks like they're part of this, uh, but uh, Chief, I suspect you have all the right names to, of people to bring in. Yeah, working on it right now. This is for the transfer of the liquor license, right? That is correct. They do two things at the same time and I got a second. We always appreciate the uh, the time and attention guiding our meetings. Where is she, Aaron? And Lieutenant Lee disappeared. There you go. Thank you. I see Aaron Anderson joining us. Is there anybody else joining us? No. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for, for joining us. If you could introduce yourself and, uh, and, and tell us why you're here. Sure. Um, my name is Aaron Anderson. I'm the owner of Gather Provisions. And I, am, I just purchased Paired Port and Plated, and I'm hoping to transfer the liquor license to my business. I'll be having a cafe with sandwiches and salads and also selling retail wine and beer. So thank you very much for joining us. Um, I know you've, you've completed the process and I see Lieutenant Griffin here who oversees that on behalf of the police department. Uh, welcome. And uh, uh, does this meet your satisfaction? Do you have anything else you, you'd like to add? Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Now uh, you did receive my memo uh, in your package. And uh, as I stated, Ms. Anderson is a, um, Born and raised in Northborough and uh, has been a very successful chef and has a um, numerous years in the food and beverage business. So we have no concerns with the police department. Thank you very much. Um, uh, I'll ask the first question. When do you anticipate opening? I anticipate doing a soft opening next week, April 5th. Excellent. We look forward forward to that. Uh, members of the uh, of the board, any any questions? Uh, boy, uh, lots of questions. I think Julianne, then Kristen, then Scott. <laughs> we want to see the menu. No. <laughs> <laughs> but so so, Aaron, do you have a gather provision somewhere else, or is this a new? This is a new endeavor. I've been running my business for the last two years as a personal chef and catering business. So just going into people's homes and cooking for them. So this is a kind of a new uh, part of that business, opening the cafe. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Julianne. Kristen? That was my question. So thank you. <laughs> I'll send. Very good. Scott, is that the same question or do you have something? Else? Same thing. So just uh, congratulations, Aaron, on the new business. And I hope it's very successful for you. Thank you very much. Very good. Um, John, I assume there are no other uh, uh, staff concerns or it's all, all good and ready to go, correct? No other issues. Recommend approval. Very good. Um, Aaron, thank you very much for joining us. At this point, I'll, uh, I'll ask for a motion. I, I have one more question. Oh. So this... Oh, yeah, this sure does not mean that we're issuing another liquor license, right? It's just a transfer. Okay. All right. Would you like a motion? Uh, pardon me, Mr. Chair. Is, Jason, yeah. is this a public hearing? Uh, do we need to hear oh, yes. members of the public? Yeah. Thank you very much. I, I don't see any hands up, but I'll, uh, I'll give that another few seconds. 
anyone uh, dialing in would like to raise their hand and ask or say anything. Going once, going twice. There being nobody. Okay. Um, first, we need to close the public hearing. So I'll entertain a motion to close the public hearing. So moved. Second. Okay. Uh, motion made by Scott, seconded by Julianne to close the public hearing. All those in favor, Scott? Aye. Jason? Aye. Kristen? Aye. Julianne? Aye. I also vote aye. Vote unanimous in favor. Public hearing is closed. Is there a motion on the transfer? Mr. Chairman, I move the board vote to approve the application as submitted by Gather Provisions LLC to transfer the wine and malt package store license from Kilty Incorporated doing business as paired, poured, and plated to Gather Provisions LLC for premises located at 290 West Main Street, Unit 8, and to approve the application for a common victualler license with the condition that the applicant receive satisfactory inspections from the fire building and health departments. Second. Second. Okay, motion made by Julianne, seconded by Scott. Any other discussion? All those in favor, Julianne? Aye. Kristen? Aye. Jason? Aye. Scott? Aye. I also vote aye. Vote is unanimous in favor. Transfer is approved. Aaron, congratulations. Thank you very much for joining us this evening, and we wish you the best of luck in your new endeavor. Thank uh, you very much. Thank you. Lieutenant Griffin, thank you, as always, for uh, for joining us this evening. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Have a good night. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. Okay, continuing on our agenda. We have charter communications approval and vote on cable license renewal. I am very happy about this one, and I understand we have uh, council with us for this. Bill Hewig, um, on his way in. Okay, great. Thanks, Chief, and good to see our cable director here tonight. I suspect you were lurking, lurking in the shadows the whole time. Thank you. Thank you, Attorney Hewig. Good to see you. Uh, John, why don't you uh, set us up for this? Um, uh, Bill, you are you are muted. Bill, you're muted, but uh, yeah, just uh, just uh, briefly, this has been a, a pretty long effort here to get to to this point um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, uh, things were a little bit slow in in working through things with Charter, but uh, Bill was able to push it over. I said I have to have this wrapped up uh, before I depart on Friday because I told Mitch I would get it done and Kathy Delgleish. Uh, wouldn't let me get out of here unless we got this thing squared away. So uh, uh, in your packet, um, uh, Town Council Bill Hewig from Coltman and Page uh, provided an executive summary. Um, I, I won't steal his thunder. I'll let him walk you through. And then if there's any questions we can, uh, between the three of us, we can answer those. So I'll turn it over to Bill through the chair. Uh, through the chair, uh, uh, through you, Mr. Chair, uh, Mr. Administrator, members of the board, good evening. Um, yes, it's a pleasure to finally get a charter license before you. Um, it's been a long, hard process, but uh, we, we are pleased to be able to get you a license, and I believe that it is a good license of, of great benefit to the town. Um, I'll start, just give you a brief run through. Uh, the part that's entitled gross annual revenues or gross revenues does not exclude and therefore includes both home shopping and um, uh, advertising revenues, which means that the percentage of gross annual revenues that's provided for in section uh, 13, uh, 5%, uh, is really 
going to be more like 5.3 or 5.4%. That ups the amount of money you get by a little bit. Um, the term of the license is 10 years, and the, the, uh, the beginning date of that is actually March 13th in the license, the date we thought we were going to have the vote. Um, so you'll be signing it, and it will have been effective since March 13th of 2023. Um, the license provides for the standard provisions of insurance, uh, 1 million, a CGL policy of 1 million and 2 million, uh, 1 million in auto and uh, workers' comp, and the statutory limits, which is $100,000, $200,000. Uh, there is a, uh, a bond in the amount of $10,000. There is uh, customer service protections. The license incorporates FCC customer service protections and customer service regulations, which include, among other things, uh, telephone answering call time requirements. So, for example, uh, the FCC requires that under ordinary circumstances, when you call into charter, uh, somebody should answer the phone within 30 seconds and you, they get one recording, but then they've got to transfer you to a live person. Uh, that has to be done 90% of the time. If it's not 90% of the time, uh, charters in violation of the FCC regulations. And the question is, how do you find out about these? The answer is, you ask charter. They keep records and they will have to produce them for you if you have an annual compliance hearing, which you are allowed to do. Um, also, uh, customer service protections uh, provided by the Massachusetts State uh, Business Practice uh, and uh, billing practice standards are incorporated in there as well. Um, the service area of the town, meaning the area that's entitled to be, uh, to be cabled, if it's not already cabled, uh, includes 20 homes per mile, which is a very low number. A lot of licenses uh, uh, require 30 or 35 homes per mile. We have 20 homes per mile here, and we have 150 foot setback, meaning that the cable will be free if it goes 150 feet or less back to the uh, the plant on the street uh, that the FCC standards 125, so it's a little bit more than the required standard. Um, support for PEG, public education, governmental access, uh, continues to be three uh, standard definition channels and one high def channel, which the, the town may request and get within 270 days in writing from charter. Uh, one high definition channel. All cable operators are now providing a high definition channel uh, upon request. None of them, to my knowledge, are, are providing more than one yet. Uh, so under this charter license, we would get one high definition channel upon request in 270 days. The funding in this license uh, will be 5% gross annual revenues and capital in the amount of $64,400 over 10 years. Um, those numbers were negotiated based on the, the, the standard of level playing field. That is, uh, Charter and Verizon both look at the other and say, we'll give you what they give you. Um, so we were juggling for a little while when we negotiated with, Char with Verizon first. And with Verizon, we got a 4% gross annual revenue and an escalator clause that said, if you can get 5% out of the other folks, we'll go up to 5% too. So we did get 5% out of Charter, and that means that the Verizon license will also go up to 5% gross annual revenues. That is an addition uh, for the town of 36 additional thousand dollars per year for its operating budget. Uh, just that increase alone, and that's from the Verizon license. Um, Charter will pay 5% and $64,000 over 10 years, equating to $6,400 a year. Um, the total amount of income that the town will benefit from, from both licenses, uh, will be in the neighbor of, neighborhood of $234,000 per year. 
that will be 5% from Charter and 5% from Verizon. And that uh, if you add an annualized amount for the capital uh, from each license from Verizon over five years and Charter over 10 years, you get a total annual income of about $263,000 for both licenses over the year. So um, this is a, a beneficial license to the town. Uh, public access is getting more money and it's at very little cost to the subscribers. Um, the other, uh, uh, the final thing I wanted to mention to you was the enforcement provisions at the end are uh, standard enforcement provisions. If there is a complaint about um, compliance with the license, the uh, board may give notice and opportunity to the cable operator charter to come before it and explain itself. And then the board is allowed to make a determination about whether there's been a breach. The board determines there was a breach. It has a number of options available, including legal action or equitable action that is uh, seeking an injunction or specific performance or seeking money damages or making a claim against the bond or ultimately the nuclear reaction, I always call it, the nuclear option is terminate the license. Um, that's the charter renewal license. It will be good for 10 years if you approve it. And the, uh, the date would be effective as of March 13th, 2023. Mitch, if I, if I may, uh, the motion has today's date. So whoever's going to read that motion needs to make it March 13th. <laughs> I thought I was smart because I caught that in the motion and moved it to the 27th. So. <laughs> Uh, <clears throat> thank you, uh, Attorney Hewitt. Uh, questions from the board? Scott. Yeah, just a quick question on the uh, Exhibit A that lists the different uh, complementary expanded basic services. I just noticed the fire department's listed twice. Is there two separate uh, facilities or connections there? Let me take a look. We've got it on line five and line nine. Um, well, there's two different addresses. Is that right? No, they're both 11 Pierce Street. I think um, there's a drop in the chief's office and a drop in the ready room. Okay. Is that what the two separate connections? Yeah. And, and then a second question on the same exhibit. Have we ever uh, identified the need for the library to have a, a basic service? Well, I don't know about the need, but they're entitled to it. Yeah. Uh, and um, the, the, the entitlement is that every public building in town or every school building in town is entitled to free basic service uh, and a free drop. Um, so we list all public buildings. Uh, if they want it, they can have it. If they don't need it or want it, they needn't do it, but it's at least on the list. Right. Kathy, is that something we'd follow up with you on? Great, thank you. Just if I may, just most want more than just the basic, basic. So they wind up paying. And just so nobody gets worked up, fire department has expanded cable with HBO. The town doesn't pay for that. The union pays for that in the in their in their uh in their quarters. I just don't want anybody to think I'm we're 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 paying for HBO and no, it's not free. So 
appreciate that, that clarification. Uh, any members of the board have any questions? Um, uh, Jason. Uh, yeah, just quickly, if you could, um, I'd just be curious to know what the uh, trend has been in subscriber count um, and what impact it has had on the uh, the revenues. Thank you, Kathy. I think because we're increasing the percentage now from four to five, that we'll see an increase in uh, in net revenue um, so to hopefully deal with any continued um, decrease in subscribers that are on offset by increase in baggage costs. You will indeed. I was just going to say that's correct. You will see an increase in revenues from four to five percent. almost 50 grand a year. That's yeah. great. You'll get another 36,000 just from Verizon alone going from four to five. And you should get about 10,000 from charter going from four to five. So total of about uh, $46,000 more every year in going from four to 5% from both. That's great. Um, one comment for myself, I'm pleasantly surprised to see this as a 10 year license. I know a number of licenses getting negotiated now are five or even fewer um the fact that we got a 10 to, to lock lock this in is great news so um i suspect that took a little extra effort or they just didn't want to hear from us again for a long time either way <laughs> the town wins <laughs> we'll go with we're happy with <laughs> we're happy either way <laughs> yep um i will say i'm not a big fan of density requirements um 20 homes per mile i, I think works reasonably well for north grow given that yeah. we're mostly residentially built out um and if there are any large housing developments they'd want to cover that anyway um in more rural communities and there might be some spots uh, that are more rural in town um a, a downside of a license like this is it might require the homeowner to pay for cable runs along the road if there isn't something there and um and that can be substantial i mean potentially in you know in the tens of thousands of dollars which will shock a homeowner hopefully we won't have folks experiencing that no i mean uh, we're, we're we're pretty built out and most yeah. cables and we have competition which a number of communities yeah. don't so we're we're in good shape it's really not an issue for northborough yeah um i had no other comments other than uh, very very happy to see this resolved i know we've been we've been running without an active license for a long time we have been getting the payments 
uh, mirroring the, the expired license, which is, of course, appropriate and necessary, but it's really good to get this, uh, this up and running. So I, I want to thank um, uh, both of you, um, Bill and Kathy, for a lot of work that I know it took, but it's, uh, it's going to be well worth it. You're welcome. Okay. Any other questions from the board? Um, if none, I'll entertain a motion, uh, and that motion should, uh, should reflect the March 13th date. Yes, Mr. Chair, I move the board vote to approve the 10-year cable license renewal between the town and Spectrum Northeast LLC doing business as Time Warner Cable Northeast LLC in Massachusetts, an indirect subsidiary of Charter Communications, Inc., effective March 13th, 2023, as presented. Second. Motion made by Scott, seconded by Jason. Any other discussion? All those in favor? Uh, Kristen? Aye. Jason? Aye. Scott? Aye. Julianne? Aye. I vote aye. Vote is unanimous in favor. License is approved. Congratulations, Kathy. Thank you, Bill. You're uh, welcome. Members of the board. And thank you for uh, for joining us this evening. We appreciate the, uh, the guidance. You're welcome. Good evening, Thanks, Bill. Mr. Chair and members and Mr. Administrator and Kathy. Very much. We will move along to next item on their agenda is Community Preservation Chair John Campbell presentation on the CPC warrant articles. I see John Campbell here promoting you to a panelist, John. When you come in, if you'd unmute yourself and if you'd like, turn on your camera. Welcome. Good evening. Can you hear and see me okay? See and hear you fine. Um, John, is there anything you, want, you wanted to introduce or should we turn the cable over to, uh, to, to John Campbell? Very good. John Mr. Campbell. Campbell, take it away. Two, two Johns, I, I just picked that up. Thank you, John. Thank you, uh, Mr. Chair. Thank you, members of the board. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity to speak before you again. We enjoy sharing the work of the CPC with you and the community. And I have a lot of important stuff to talk about tonight. I'm wondering if I can share my screen or if one of you can share the charts that I sent along in your packet. Mr. Campbell, you can share your screen. You have the ability. Thank you. Uh, hopefully uh, you're all now seeing a pie chart entitled CPA fund allocations 06 to 23. Is that correct? Do yeah, we do. Thank you. Very good. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to use this as a starting point to show you uh, where we've been and, and it um, gives us the basis for where we're going. Um, this is a graphic representation of where we've allocated funds since we began collecting them and we began getting state match in FY06 into FY07. Um, and what strikes you is that nearly 50% of our project allocations have been in open space and recreation. And the projects that we've been successful as a town in creating are terrific, really. If you look down there, are many of the things that we're happy to have in town today and that people use from the town common to Assabet Park's new renovations, pickleball courts, um, and et cetera. Some of these allocations too are also phase one of projects I'm gonna speak about in a minute. But the other thing that strikes you is that we, uh, we have not been allocating in equal proportions to historic preservation or to affordable housing. The CPA legislation calls that we must at least allocate a minimum 10% each to those three areas. 
but we're not obligated to do any more of that. It just so has fallen so far in the projects that we brought forth to the town that the majority of them are in open space and recreation. Uh, moving through these charts, um, this is a lot of columns and it's put together by our, by our finance director, Jason Little. And I only wanna draw your attention to the third column entitled state match. And if you look down to the bottom line, you see that we have now exceeded 3 million in-state match since the town approved the CPA uh, in the election of 2004. And we began collecting revenue and receiving state match in fiscal 07. And personally, I just think that's terrific. Um, it's uh, more than one third of the revenue that we brought in. And it really makes it easy to afford the projects. And I think also easy for the town's uh, voters to accept them. I'll move on to the next chart. This is a real confusing one. I'm not gonna go through it, except that Jason nicely highlights at the bottom what the CPC is available, has available to consider for allocation in this round, which is for fiscal 2024. And it, it's comprised of our current fund balances. Only one account has a balance in it, 202,000 in the affordable housing reserve. The remainder is what's called the unreserved account, basically our savings that are not allocated to any of the other three core elements. Um, then we have an estimating revenue for FY24 of 770,000. We use that figure to determine what we can spend in new revenue and what 10% would equal, in this case, 77,000, that we must make sure we exceed for each of the three core areas. Bottom line is the CPC had about 1.8 million in consideration this year. And you'll see as I go on here that we elected to allocate about 1 million of that round number and to maintain about 800,000 in reserves. Uh, this slide also that Jason includes for us reminds us of our minimum obligations by law 10% to each of the three core areas and also that we do have available 5% that we're allowed up to 5% that we can allocate to our administrative account. And we use that effectively to pay for um, surveys, to pay for uh, professional services. And in fact, um, we used it in the last year to help the White Cliffs Committee with, with their consultant as an example. Finally, uh, the debt service for the White Cliffs purchase from town meeting 2016 is still an obligation. And this chart shows where we're at in the bond payments. Just briefly, this is going to be the sixth bond payment, assuming it's approved by the voters. And the amount each year declines going forward. Uh, but we are more than halfway there. So I've unshared. I, I, I wanted to uh, bring that summary to you and also uh, let me ask uh, any questions on that information before I move on. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so um, you decided to allocate $800,000 for the reserve account. Is that typical or is that an unusual amount this year? Uh, it is not atypical. However, um, as I'll get into in a minute, our committee did take a little more conservative conservative approach 
where we felt it was best to concentrate on the most urgent applications and those projects that were continuing from previous authorizations by the voters. And uh, we were looking ahead to future needs, be it for White Cliffs reuse or for the downtown revitalization or other things uh, that might come up in the master plan. As a committee, we do try to look for where we can be proactive. Uh, effectively, we're looking at applications brought to us, but this year um, we wanted to look ahead at what we felt was most urgent and what we felt could wait to a future year or, or wait for when uh, even more reserves were available. So we're not allocating it to the reserve so much as we're not spending it or are asking not to spend it, Julianne. Okay, thanks. You're welcome. So hearing no further questions, um, I'll go on to tell you uh, how we considered each of the applications before us, each of the potential allocations, and a little more on what I was just speaking to Julianne about. Um, we adopt a, uh, a policy in our committee of looking at each of the applications with some historic uh, customary criteria. Uh, the very first one is, does, it, does the application or the allocation being requested apply to, to CPA guidelines? And does it meet the goals that we put forth in our own packet to the applicants? Uh, secondly, is there great community support or what is the level of community support? Thirdly, is it affordable? Uh, by by our CPA revenues and reserves. And lastly, what is the urgency to fund that request in this year's cycle? And as I mentioned, um, our committee this year was looking ahead quite a bit uh, and decided to be a little conservative in what we would keep in the reserves because we felt like uh, only about half of the requests for funding were urgent for this year and uh, others we felt uh, could wait or were inadequately developed in their applications. Um, from your memo that's in your packets, I'll, I'll briefly go through those projects that we did approve. First and foremost, um, our minimum obligation is to the White Cliffs bond payment if we are going to continue to pay for that with CP, CPA revenue. Um, it, it, uh, it gives me an opportunity to look back at when we presented this to town meeting uh, demolition was imminent and effort was generated by the CPC to put, put it forth to the town, should we purchase it or not. We really didn't know what the level of community support was toward that question, but we did know it was urgent and we did know that it was affordable with CPA revenues that we knew were coming and reserves that we had. As it turns out, more than two thirds of the town voted in favor of it. And I think in fact, it has been affordable. The bond payment requires only about 25% of our incoming revenues each year, which we've covered easily at previous town meeting votes. And now, uh, interestingly, we have a proposal in front of us and I know that this, this board and the town has already re reviewed it. And uh, it, it potentially will invest more than 10 times what the town approved as an investment in the original property. And more importantly, I, I think the project before us needs time and consideration because it does meet other CPA guidelines. It does meet our many of our master plan goals and it very much overlaps with what we're considering for downtown revitalization. 
So I ask that the board take that into account. Uh, but for our part, all we're doing this year is presenting to the town, keep paying the bond payments. And uh, I expect that we will. The next two projects that we felt were most urgent to move on were two that had already been approved at last year's town meeting for phase one study and engineering. Uh, the first being the Northborough Dog Park. Uh, so we are recommending that phase two be approved at this year's town meeting, which would be the, for the construction of the dog park. It requires 347,000 of our, uh, of our CPA money, and we elected to vote to bring it from new revenue. The second one is also a phase two. It's the construction of the ADA accessible trail at the senior center, which I think is a terrific project, but it will require 370,000 of CPA revenue to, to construct. And we do believe that that would be also urgent for the town to reapprove since phase one was approved last year. So the committee voted that we take 119,000 to pay for that from new revenue and 251,000 from our reserves in our unreserved fund. These three articles, the White Cliffs bond payment, the dog park, and the portion for the senior center exhaust the projected new revenue. And as I just said, so we've cut into 251,000 from our current reserves. Beyond that, um, the other application that we must consider is something for the affordable housing minimum. There's no project specific to new affordable housing construction or, or, uh, or feeding an existing project. So we're recommending that the minimum 77,000 be approved and be put into the affordable housing reserve fund. That would raise, if approved, that would raise the affordable housing reserve to about 280,000. Uh, the committee did approve one small project, although not urgent. We felt it was worthwhile doing. It's an additional historic marker at the library to celebrate the contribution of Cyrus Gale. Uh, we feel these signs are very important to the community. And at $5,000, it was reasonable to uh, approve it and recommend that it come from our reserves. The last article that we're recommending approval on is the minimum 5%, I should say the maximum 5% to the administrative account for the purposes I mentioned earlier. We make good use of that account. And if we don't spend it in a current year, it goes into the unreserved fund. So it does not go unspent. Uh, briefly, um, I'll, I'll list the projects that we elected to deny for this year's cycle. Uh, one was repairs at the First Parish Church steeple, uh, partly because um, the estimates were not fully evaluated yet, and uh, the First Parish people thought they could get more information, possibly to come back next year or look for other sources. A second was the uh, request for the Historical Society building for window restorations, um, we determined that, again, we just didn't feel it was urgent for this year to bring it to the voters and uh, instead chose to maintain reserves. Um, there was a, a, an application written by the Historic District Commission to allocate 350000 into the historic reserve savings. Uh, they, in the end, recommended that we 
deny that this year, uh, having felt that it was best to keep the money in the unreserved fund, which gives us flexibility to use it on any of the core areas as well as recreation. In addition, we uh, elected to deny the request by the uh, Algonquin High School Athletic Complex group um, who ultimately asked us to consider a portion only for tennis court restorations. Um, our feeling as a committee was once again that we felt our role was best to keep reserves for future projects in our downtown and that uh, this project was best uh, as a town meeting item for consideration for capital spending. We also denied a request by the Open Space Committee to put it 700, uh, excuse me, 77,000 additional funds in the conservation fund, which we have done successfully as a committee and as a town to preserve many open space parcels. But that fund um, has about 600,000 plus in it already. So here again, we didn't think it was urgent to add more to it in this year's cycle. We had one more application uh, for a feasibility study on an aqueduct multi-use trail. This would have been an effort to make the aqueduct trail uh, useful for other vehicles, bikes, wheelchairs, et cetera. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the aqueduct is still controlled by the Massachusetts Water Resources Authority. And in the end, the MWRA told us that they were not comfortable with approving a different surface than what you see today, basically grass. So at the moment, uh, we cannot bring that project forward and uh, it was withdrawn. Uh, in summary, if the articles we recommend are all approved by the voters, we will have exhausted the current year revenues and we would have about 590,000 remaining in the unreserved fund. And there would be, as I mentioned before, about 280 in the affordable housing reserve fund. So there would be total reserves of over 800,000. We did a lot of talking there, so I'd be happy to field any other questions. Thank you very much, Mr. Campbell. Uh, members of the board, any questions? Scott. Yeah, thanks John for putting that all together and thanks to the committee for the work they've done this cycle. Uh, so John mentions uh, another bit of unfinished business for us uh, in terms of the White Cliffs proposal. Do we have a timeline on when we're going to bring that uh, forward for discussion again? Uh, at this point, my understanding is, is staff is collecting answers to some of the questions that were raised at, uh, at our last meeting, um, as well as getting, getting answers on uh, what the applicant can provide. So I, I haven't received any, um, any timeline so I, I don't have anyone to offer right now. Thanks. Uh, Julia. Yeah, so um, John Campbell, if, if you could remember, um, what were the reasons for denying the, the historical society building? It's, it's not a ton of money in your budget and they've been doing such a nice job with restoring that building. I agree 100%. Um, the CPC have brought forth several projects for that building, um, and they've, they've all been approved. Um, again, we felt like um, it, it was a question of urgency for this year. Um, again, we've approved many of their renovations. 
Um, we just felt like um, it could it could wait to a future year. And in addition, the uh, Historic Society Building folks felt like they could look for more grants as well oh. to aid what they're trying to do. Um, so it, uh, it it looked like it might be best to come back when a little, there's a little more information and, and possibly uh, we have a better picture of where we need to use CPA in town over the next year or two. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Um, a quick question on the, uh, the dog park project. Um, the, the article that I'm looking at, which is from a little bit later, says this is for the second phase of a three phase project. I hadn't caught that there was a third phase. I'm just wondering if either you or um, our town administrator or anybody else knows the answer to what the third phase is and roughly what the cost might be on that one. And if you don't have that handy, that's okay. Mr. Chair, this is the re uh, the reading of the Warren article. Yeah. Um, yeah, the description under Article 33, Construction of Dog Parks, is this article would fund the second phase of a three-phase project to construct a community dog park. And that's a CDC article. So, so if I may, so it's it's the full design, permitting design of full design of the uh, project. You know, they did get a twenty twenty five thousand dollars Stanton grant. Um, yeah. It's important to realize uh, as we try to make sure people understand the full cost of the project. Uh, it's not just the CPC funding that's included in the article, but there's anticipated that uh, it would require another approximately two hundred to two hundred twenty five thousand of the Stanton grant. Uh, to complete the project, so that's the that that's the full phasing of the project. Gotcha. So the Stanton funding is the third phase, right? That's referring to there. Okay, answers my question. Thank you. Sure. Okay. Thank uh, you as well. I I was uh, unaware of that phrasing. Okay. Great. Um, sorry to sorry to spring that on you, then, John. No, um, okay. okay. Um, we have a couple of questions from the audience. Um, Members of the board, any questions before I open it up? Okay, um, let's see. First hand that went up was uh, Laura Zeiten. Laura, if you could uh, identify yourself and uh, state your uh, your question. Thank you, it's Laura Zeiten, 17 Franklin Circle. I just have a quick question. I heard you mention that there's an affordable housing fund and that's a two-part question. Number one, how much money is currently in that fund? And number two, who manages that fund? Thank you. Thanks, Laura. Uh, I can take the question. Um, Laura, it's uh, it's called a an affordable housing CPA reserve account. There will be 280,000 in it if town meeting approves the article for the minimum 10% this year. And the fund, the, the account, uh, is both managed by town staff and uh, it is uh, used by the CPC, whether we move it to be used on a project that may come up or whether we continue to accumulate it. But one important note is that the monies that are put into that column, that fund cannot be brought out and used for a recreation project, for instance. They're dedicated to an affordable housing initiative. Thank you. Uh, another question from Lisa Maselli. Lisa, 
You'd unmute yourself and identify yourself and state your question. Good evening, John. Lisa Maselli, um, 13 Maple Street. I got a, a two questions. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Um, I was interested in the amount of money that you put into the affordable housing um, funding. Does that money from time to time get used to renovate the existing um, homes that our seniors live in or those that live in the um, different housing that we've already built, like upgrading their bathrooms and kitchens? Because many of those um, places have not been renovated for many, many years and the people living there could uh, probably do well with having some of that done for them. Is that considered with that money or is it just considered to build new buildings? And then um, my second question is, um, uh, you made mention of the White Cliffs and saying, um, if we are going to continue to fund the White Cliffs, and I was under the impression that when in 216, when we put that money aside, that that was going to take care of that 10 year promise to pay off that debt. Can that be changed? Uh, your second question first, in, in my words, I was only inferring that Ultimately, the town's voters still must vote to pay the bond from CPA revenue. I don't know a reason why they wouldn't, but in a democracy, voters could choose some other path. Uh, the bond would still need to be paid. The town is still obligated, but it would have to come from another source that's not currently budgeted. I think I'm stating that correctly. And on your first question, um, there is every reason why um, that money, be it the um, reserves or be it new revenue toward affordable housing, uh, an affordable housing project could be for uh, renovations, um, but it has not been proposed to our committee yet. Um, all of our affordable housing projects have been either toward uh, monies to the Northboro Affordable Housing Corporation, which are essentially held by the town until they're needed by them to fund a project such as uh, the uh, apartments they created out of the historic homes on Main Street in the last few years. Um, and otherwise, it, uh, we put reserves into our own account, which we just talked about. So um, to a certain extent, we act on requests brought to the committee. Um, but obviously in the background, we're talking about, uh, you know, what initiatives can we proactively move along and what you brought up might be one of them. And how would you go about, how would you go about initiating that? Would it be the residents asking for that or what's the best way to move forward with that? Well, I think uh, if you or someone had the idea and felt it should get more air, uh, you would start with the housing authority and, um, find out how they fund or account for renovations to properties that they manage. Um, because I don't know the full answer to your question, but that's where I might begin. And then see if it makes sense that uh, uh, it come before CPC to consider using CPA funds for something that the housing authority hasn't already budgeted, perhaps. Well, thank, thank you very much, Lisa. Thank you, I, I think that's a, a great start. Thank you, Lisa. Okay. Um, it looks like I prematurely lowered uh, Laura, Laura Zeiten's hand and sent her out of, uh, of the meeting. So Laura, it looks like you have a follow-up question. Bring you back in. You don't need to identify yourself. <laughs> again. Thank you. 
Um, so my other question is related. You just mentioned the Northborough Affordable Housing Corp. Do the selectmen get any reports on how the funds that go in, how they're used, how they're distributed? Is there selectmen engagement once the money is redirected to that corporation? I'll answer from my side and then let anyone on the board add to it. Um, when the, first of all, if the voters approve an amount of money to the Northport Affordable Housing Corporation, as they have in several cases, then as I mentioned, uh, by, by agreement that we developed with them early on, uh, the monies are essentially held by the town until needed. If the NAHC needs a certain amount, um, they get approval for that uh, through both a CPC vote and, and selectmen vote. And then um, from a certain amount as they present bills, those are paid out. So town staff, be it the, the planning director's office and or finance director are managing the process by which the funds are overseen and, and uh, spent accordingly uh, based on documentation presented. Got it. So if I requested those from the planning department, I'd be able to access them that way? Yeah, there are records about it, I'm sure. Perfect. Thank you. That's all. Thank you, Laura. Um, lower your hand, Laura. And uh, we have one more hand up from Henry S. I suspect I know what the S stands for, but I'll let you identify yourself and ask your question, Henry. Yes, my name is Henry Squilani, 72 Crestwood Drive. In the Metro West proposal, it calls for $800,000 of CPA funds. Where would those funds come from? From your reserves? Since you only have 200 and some odd thousand in your affordable housing. Um, sir, they could come from the affordable housing reserve and they could come from the unreserved account and they could come from a portion of new revenue as well. So for instance, if you remember an earlier slide, if you were watching this year, we had a budget, if you will, of about $1.8 million that we could choose to allocate all of or maintain some in reserves as we did. Uh, next year, we will likely have a similar number. If the town approves the articles we're bringing forward, as I mentioned, um, we would maintain uh, upwards of 800,000 in reserves between the unreserved column and the affordable housing reserve. And then we, ex we would expect, I'm guessing, um, new revenue of at least 770,000 as we did this year. So we'll have a similar budget to work from. And if, um, if that was the most urgent project, then we would consider it as such and, and uh, we could bring it from any of those sources. If you take the Metro West proposal, uh, their committal is that, you, that we will surprise, supply $800,000. So we would have to come up with the 800,000, I believe, before they even start the project, if I read the proposal right. I'm not sure that's true so much as uh, we would just need to, uh, to agree to the commitment should the town move forward with the project. And um, it's, um, in my opinion, it's an amount that's very affordable by either reserves or portion of new revenue, uh, because historically we're, working from a budget that would exceed that 800,000 every year. If I so read we, the proposal we have right, the means. 
if I read the proposal right, there, there's a clause in there that if they can't get all the funding they, they denote on their uh, proposal, uh, the, they wouldn't go forward with it. That's the way I read it. Henry, I'll, I'll um, interject here and just say, obviously, the Metro West proposal isn't on our agenda tonight, so we shouldn't talk. Yeah, I understand too much, too, that. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you've asked a valid question. And, um, you know, as we further that project along, if we get to the point where we need to talk about how to allocate those funds post any negotiations with Metro West, uh, we'd certainly dig into that and figure out um, all the detailed answers to that, that question. But I, I think it's, it's valid to at least approach the topic now, so I appreciate the, the question. Right. The reason I brought it up was because it mentioned CPA funds and and uh, John uh, said he had 200 and some odd in the affordable housing. The rest would have to come out of reserve. And I just wanted to make that point clear. All right. Thank you very much, Mitch. Thank you. Henry. I appreciate it, Henry. Okay. I see no other hands up in the audience. Any members of the board have any uh, additional questions? Over here, I don't, I don't see any. Um, John, thank you so much for uh, for joining us tonight, and um, I, I really do appreciate your continued passion and advocacy for for the CPC um, and and the funds. It's obviously been a tremendously beneficial to Northborough, and um, I'm thrilled with the projects there you're funding this year. Thank you. I really appreciate the consideration, and uh, we will continue to work hand in hand with the town. Thank you very much. Um, that agenda item, I think, is complete. Good evening. Um, okay. Thank you very much, uh, John. I'm going to boot you back to uh, attendee. There we go. All right. Next up on our agenda, we have School Superintendent Greg Martineau to uh, get us through the approval and vote on the Peasley School Statement of Interest to the Massachusetts School Building Authority. Uh, Greg, I'll bring you in. And this time, if you wish, you can turn on your camera. Move that up to you. But certainly unmute yourself. There we go. How are you? So good evening. Thank you. Um, as you all know, the Mass School Building Authority um, partners with um, school systems across the Commonwealth to create affordable, sustainable, energy efficient schools. Um, Northborough is a benef beneficiary of a renovation addition project at Lincoln Street School um, and partnered with MSBA and as a result um, received 52, approximately 52% reimbursement on eligible costs. Um, before you this evening, I'm uh, proposing to submit a statement of interest for the Peasley Elementary School. And in order to uh, submit the statement of interest, I re it's required two votes. One, a vote of the municipal governing body, the select board, um, authorizing me to uh, submit the SOI and the school committee. The school committee voted at its last meeting. Um, so before you, I believe in your packet, um, John Kader provided the statement of interest for Peasley School, um, which speaks to the current conditions, um, the age of the building, um, the renovations that have taken place or not taken place. Um, this statement of interest will be submitted with the board's approval to the MSBA board. Um, the MSBA board will look at all applications submitted across the Commonwealth 
and determine which um, projects could potentially be um, moved into the eligibility phase. Just as a point of reference, when Lincoln Street um, was invited into eligibility, there were only 11 projects across the Commonwealth that were invited into that phase. This is a highly competitive um, program, uh, very difficult to get in. Um, and basically submitting an SOI um, gets us in, in the queue uh, for consideration from MSBA. If uh, the town of Northborough is invited into the eligibility phase, there's no commitment from the town of Northborough or the MSBA it just moves us to the next phase of the process, which looks at enrollment studies, um, the community, community needs, community interest in terms of moving a project forward. Um, from start to finish, we are invited in, it's usually five to seven years. Um, and the MSBA does not um, accept core building or statements of interest for their core building program every year. Um, so my recommendation is to submit a SOI or Peasley School um, to get into the queue and to be considered um, by the MSPA board at its next board meeting. Rick, thank you very much. John, did you have uh, anything to add before? Um, see if the board has any questions. Uh, you're muted, sir. Everyone gets one for me. That's the first time I have spoken without, because usually I never mute myself, so. Um, no, I was going to say the um, the capital plan has had Peasley in it for a while. Uh, we knew after we got the Lincoln Street project that MSBA wasn't going to give us another big project for several more years. So uh, it has been carried in the capital plan. Um, so uh, submitting the statement of interest, as uh, Superintendent Martino said, gets us in the queue. It is a long process. If if everything went you know perfectly, you'd still be looking at you know five years out. Um, we do need to be cautious, you know, depending on how this project moves, how it pairs up with, you know, a fire station project that's coming through. But uh, MSBA is it's difficult because it's really not up to the town. It uh, has to do with their program. Um, you know, this uh, this cycle through, we had uh, uh, proposed doing the Proctor School roof, as you all well know, and uh, through the accelerator repair program, and they just eliminated the program, you know, for for that for the upcoming year because they didn't have enough revenue. So it's a, it's a, it's tough uh, to get into the program and you don't always know some, why you're in there or why you're not in there. So it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a crapshoot. One of the things that does help is make sure that the town is operating from the same uh, playbook in that the, it's very helpful. We were told after uh, we received the $10.4 million grant for Lincoln Street, we were told by the staff that the reason why the town was successful is because we had a capital plan uh, and we had unanimous support of all of the boards and committees uh, and the timing was all in agreement. And so what they want is they want projects that are going to move forward and get funded by the community. And that one was unanimously supported town meeting and 80% at the ballot because it was part of the plan that we all had worked towards and agreed to. So um, that is going to be a key component uh, is getting uh, this project into a, you know, the sequencing plan with the other projects that we have, make sure that we go to, when we do go, if we're invited into the MSBA, they want to hear and know on certain terms that the town is in favor of the project, at least the key policy boards and committees, and that you're committed to moving forward if you are 
selected. So those are discussions that would need to, to take place with obviously all the key boards and committees. But as the superintendent also pointed out, submitting a statement of interest, you know, doesn't commit to commit us to anything. And there's a, you know, a chance they may not. Oftentimes it's uh, several application rounds of trying to get into the process. And uh, it's a rarity that you, you know, you make it all the way through in your first attempt. So I would support the application and, uh, but I would also support uh, that we need to have some further conversations about if approved or invited to collaborate or whatever that language is that they like to use, um, that it's that it's going to be sequenced in a way that um, that the town is going to be able to uh, to manage this project as well as a couple of the other big ones that we have coming up in the queue. So, thanks, John. Questions from the board? Question. Oh, then Julian. I I don't actually have a question. I would just like to say I'm very happy to see this on here and I'm happy that the school committee um, got this done with Superintendent Martineau. I'm really um, in support of it personally. I think it's great. Thank you for doing all that work. Thanks, Christian. Julianne? Yes, yeah, so um, yes, thanks for doing this. And it sounds like a long process. But so if we are approved somewhere along the line, will we be done with the Lincoln Street bond by then when we start Peasley or no? no. Lincoln Street's a 20 year bond uh, from 2016, basically. We, we did it in two, two phases, it was about 14.8 million over uh, 2015, 2016, if memory serves me correctly. So it's a, it's a 20 year to 20 year bond. So they'll, they'll, they'll be overlapping. One of the positive things that we do have coming uh, down the line, Julianne, is that uh, although it, it sort of tailors to the athletic complex as well, but the, the original 2004 um, bond for the high school renovation addition project expires, I believe in 2027, is that correct? Yeah. So that's about uh, roughly a little over 600,000 in debt service that falls off. You know, we try to time these things for you know the debt service falling off and bringing on another uh, big project so it sort of smooths out over the year um so that project is that will be coming off in a couple of years okay thanks jason and just to follow that comment john if you could confirm this the structuring of the financing for these kind of projects is kind of like a declining payment over the term of the bond so as you get toward the end the payments are actually smaller and you're freeing up some debt capacity to take on financing of other projects. Yes, exactly. It's declining principal as opposed to what most, you know, most people are used to, like a mortgage where your principal and your and your interest payment is is level across the 30 years of the bond. You know, these taper, these taper off at the end, which you know gives you a little bit more capacity as you're as you're uh, finishing up paying for the projects. So the big bond pay, the big payments and the tax impact is early on and then it tapers off. Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm, I'll echo uh, comments from other board members. I'm very happy to see this. Um, and uh, Peasley is, is well in need. I understand having been through this project uh, in another town, this type of project in another town a couple of times, that it can take a little while. Sometimes you can also be surprised and get, get uh, brought into the process a little quicker than you anticipate. Um, there are pros and cons to that because sometimes uh, you can be required to get started before you're ready. Um, but uh, that's better than being told no or being told it's 
you know, going to be an ex exceptional period of time, but we, at this point, we just have to wait and see. Um, but I'm happy to see us get started. If there are no other questions or comments. Um, I will entertain uh, what is unfortunately for, uh, for Kristen, a rather lengthy motion. Yes, it is, Mr. Chair. I move the board vote to authorize the superintendent to submit to the Massachusetts School Building Authority the statement of interest form dated February 2023 for the Marguerite E. Peasley Elementary School located at 31 Maple Street, Northborough, Mass, which describes and explains the following deficiencies and the priority categories for which an application may be submitted to the Massachusetts School Building Authority in the future. The school district identified prior, priority number five and priority number seven as the rationale for this statement of interest. This determination supports the modernization and programming needs. Further, the select board specifically acknowledges that by submitting this statement of interest form, the Massachusetts School Building Authority in no way guarantees the acceptance or the approval of an application the awarding of a grant or any other funding commitment from the Massachusetts School Building Authority or commits the town of Northborough to filing an application for funding with the Massachusetts School Building Authority. Second. Motion made very well by Kristen, seconded by Scott. Any other discussion? Uh, all those in favor, uh, Kristen? Aye. Scott? Aye. Jason? Aye. Julianne? Aye. I also vote aye. Vote is unanimous in favor. Uh, approved. Thank you very much, Superintendent Martineau, for, for joining us this evening and, and giving us a uh, little land on this project. And thank you for the support. Good thank luck. You. Go Peasley. Go Pandas. Very good. Uh, next up on our agenda is approval and vote on the town administrator's appointments of Ashley Davies, Fran Baxtron, Aaron Hutchins, and Linda Brenkel to the Town Offices Feasibility Study Committee. Uh, John, take it away. Sure. So, as you know, uh, we have uh, trying to, you know, get these projects either bringing things to conclusion and licenses and negotiations and then get the uh, next round of uh, initiatives sort of uh, lifted off and, and running. So one of them is the town office's feasibility study. We have a, a number of things that are sort of coming together at the same time, which is uh, creating an interesting uh, opportunity for the town. Um, we have a uh, fire station building project that's moving. So you'll have the uh, 11 Pierce Street, uh, the existing station will be sort of in play. We have uh, four West Main Street is coming back to the town uh, this month. Uh, I'm sorry, by uh, this year, by May. Um, and then we have the downtown visioning process that's uh, that's ongoing as well. So a uh, number of projects, Whitecliffs is in the mix too. Uh, but uh, one of the things that we need to figure out is uh, what are we doing with our town hall? Uh, so there's a feasibility study uh, committee that's be formed that is charged with looking at, first of all, the programmatic space needs of town hall. And uh, by looking at the options, the three options are to renovate the 63 uh, Main Street, which is a current location of Town Hall. Uh, there's always the possibility to relocate Town Hall to 4 West Main Street when that comes back to us. Uh, and then a third is to potentially build a new Town Hall somewhere. 
at one point, White Cliffs was a consideration for that. Uh, so um, that's the task of the uh, com of the committee is to to look at the you know, possible you know sale reuse of existing facilities, and um, and there is a hundred thousand dollar appropriation uh, that is available to hire a consulting firm to work through that uh, through that process. So as far as appointments uh, tonight, uh, uh, the committee uh, consists first of all of five uh, uh, voting members. Uh, one is a uh, representative from the, uh, the select board and four citizens. There'll be staff uh, available uh, to help uh, support the, uh, the group, as well as, as I said, you'll be hiring, the committee will be hiring uh, professional architects and engineering firms to walk through the options and start to decide which direction the town may wish to go in. So in terms of tonight, there's four appointments. Uh, uh, one is uh, Ashley Davies. Uh, I was asked, uh, Mitch had reached out to me and uh, recommended that we have somebody from the Master Plan Implementation Committee. I uh, spoke with Rick uh, Leaf, who is the chair, and I said, absolutely, that makes sense. Uh, so uh, tell me who you'd like. And so they decided uh, Ashley Davies as the vice chair of the Master Plan Implementation Committee would be a good uh, a good appointment. Uh, then we have Fran Backstrand. Fran obviously is a former board member, uh, a former master plan steering committee member, and a master plan implementation committee member. But she is going to be stepping down from that uh, from that committee. But again, has all that background. She'd be an excellent uh, contribution as well. Third is uh, Aaron Hutchins. Aaron is a former uh, board member uh, and an attorney, and he's expressed interest in uh, in serving on this committee as well. So I'm bringing his name forward. And then lastly, I have uh, Linda Brinkle, who is a resident. She is um, uh, she's in uh, MS um, and uh, has a background in uh, project management, uh, working for the University of Massachusetts uh, Medical School. Uh, is very interested in serving on this committee, been a longtime resident of town. And so I am bringing her name forward as well. So those are the four uh, appointments to the uh, Town Hall Feasibility Study Committee. Um, very good. Uh, any, uh, before we get into any motions, any questions or comments from the board? Kristen. So we did receive an email from someone um, who said she was waiting to be interviewed and had never heard back about this. So I guess she wrote a letter of interest, which was what was required um, for this committee. And um i believe she's a local realtor so she seems like she could offer a certain amount of expertise that none of these other candidates have and i'm not sure why um she wasn't interviewed and were these other people interviewed yes okay yeah, they were so like anytime you get a number of applications um, and um, I'm looking for certain qualifications and a mix of blends and opinions that are on there. Uh, there's probably a lapse in communication. I'm trying to, as you know, Friday is my last day, trying to get a lot of things done. I've had uh, some, we've had some issues in terms of staffing. So, uh, but we will reach back out to the folks that uh, were not selected uh, and make and close that loop. Julianne? Well, um... You know, I, I I think I've said this before in another situation like this. It 
I feel it's our responsibility to know who applied and to at least see their applications because we are essentially approving um, the, you know, the persons who will be sitting on this committee. And having not received any of that information, I would, um, I'd like to get it. And therefore I would move that we um, continue this discussion to the next meeting. Second. Okay, I've heard that motion and second. Um, uh, discussion? Um, yeah, I, I, sure, Scott, go ahead. So if, if the committee's charge and its formation was appointments by the select board, then it would make sense for us to review all candidates. If the appointment is by a member of town staff, they have the discretion to go through the process and bring forward the best candidates to us for either an up or down vote. Uh, so I think, you know, process, good process was followed. We can have a vote if uh, we don't approve uh, a candidate, then the town administrator would bring another candidate to us for approval. Um, uh, my concern um, with, with this are, are not the individuals um, being proposed. Um, two of them I certainly well know well enough that I would have no concerns. Um, the other two I just happen to not know well. Um, with the last applicant for the uh, fire station building committee back in the fall, there was uh, the, the application, a letter, I think it was even a resume of that individual in the packet. And I was surprised to see no details at all on, on any of these four applicants. Um, I respect that our town charter leaves it up to the town administrator to make those appointments and then us to, um, uh, to official, officially appoint them. Um, or to endorse those appointments. Um, so I, I, similar to what Scott said, I think I, I leave it up to the town administrator to decide how those interviews get conducted, um, uh, whether whether everybody who applies gets interviewed or not. Um, I, I think it would be helpful for the board to, as far as a review process, to understand a little bit more about what goes on, but, but you're under, or the town administrator, whoever that happens to be, as of after Friday has no obligation to share with us the full list of people that were appointed or any rationale as to why. Um, although I, I think that would be helpful for the board's discussion. My concern here is I don't think the board should be in the process of um, the practice of approving um, appointments to boards without seeing anything about, uh, about them as to what their interests are, why they want to be on these particular boards, even if we know them well enough to appoint them without any question. Um, so I, I, I am in support of that motion that, uh, that Julianne has made. I think we need a little bit more information. Um, and and I, I wanna be very clear, I have no objection to any of those who are um, proposed, although two of them I just don't know well enough without the supplemental information to, uh, to endorse tonight. Um, any other? Questions or comments on the motion that's been made, which is basically to table this to a future meeting. Okay, um, motion's been made by Julianne, seconded by Kristen. Um, all those in favor, uh, Julianne? Aye. Scott? No. Kristen? Aye. Jason? No. 
I also vote aye. Uh, vote does carry three votes in favor, two opposed. Um, so this agenda item will will move forward to um, the next meeting when uh, hopefully some additional information can be conveyed. Um, and then uh, because I do agree this this committee does need to get started, probably should have been started a little while ago, but that's where we are. Um, so that that does conclude that agenda item. Uh, um, next up, we have approval and execution of the April 24th, 2023 town meeting warrant. John. So in your packet is the uh, final warrant uh, has been reviewed uh, by council uh, and, uh, and is uh, ready for your approval this evening. Uh, as we move forward, we'll put the full, uh, well, I won't, but the staff will put the full booklet together with the, uh, what we've done in recent years is uh, with all the supportive material, uh, but we've also, uh, um, uh, last couple of years, I think has been helpful, is include the motions as well so people can see the full range of everything. But this is the formal warrant that does need to be executed by you, uh, uh, approved and executed this evening. Questions by the board? So this full warrant does include the uh, the budget as uh, as presented uh, in the earlier part of the meeting during the public hearing, uh, including the um, the additional expenses that were proposed tonight, um, as well as all of the other items. Um, I don't remember the process. This is given that this is my first time on the board going through the agenda. Um, I think it is probably the next meeting that the board would go through and consider any. Um, any recommendations on um, on articles as well as um, assignment of articles, motions, yep. out. motions yep. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll happen next time. So um, we're not interested in um, what people feel about an article unless, for some reason, somebody wants to pull an article. Um, I'm not recommending or thinking that we should pull any, but that is our discretion in in many, but not all cases. Um, if there being no no comments or questions, um, I'll entertain a motion. Mr. Chairman, I'm, I move the board vote to approve and execute the April 24th, 2023 town meeting warrant. Second. Motion made by Julianne, seconded by Scott. Um, any other discussion? We do have, um, I'm just realizing now, we do have somebody in the audience. Uh, G.E. Campbell, I'm going to bring you in. If you could unmute your microphone and identify yourself and tell us what's on your mind, please. Hi, good evening. Um, my name is George Campbell. I'm at 38 Sunset Drive. And George, your, your volume is rather low. If there's an ability for you to get closer to a microphone, that might be helpful for us to hear you. Sure, let me try to turn that up a little bit. Uh, can you hear me a little bit better? Uh, it's about the same. Go, go ahead. I can hear you well enough. Yeah, let me try to adjust that. Um, yeah, so I uh, just had a question for the board on uh, uh, this. Does this include the uh, uh, high school uh, renovation? The, the athletic complex? Correct. Yes, it does. That's one of the articles on the warrant. Um, and I just had a question on the process for that. Is it possible to uh, recommend um, amendments? To the warrant, I I don't think it is at this stage. My understanding with this, uh, John, correct me if I'm wrong. At yeah, 
with this particular article because it is set by a regional school committee. Why don't you go ahead and take it away, John? Yeah, this is a little bit different than, uh, you know, most uh, articles, uh, once they go to town meeting, are, are subject to amendment um, by uh, by pretty much anybody. Uh, usually, if it's a financial article by by charter, it's the appropriations as the first crack at it. But uh, I believe I sent something out to you this afternoon, uh, George, uh, just clarifying that uh, by, because of the nature of this, it's coming from the school department, uh, from the regional school department. It's going on. It has to go on exactly as it is, and we it cannot be amended. So um, it has to be when it hits the town meeting floor, it's a yay or nay vote only. So up or down, but it can't be amended. Certainly can be discussion and uh, and um, on any aspect of it. But as far as the vote, it is either a, an approval or a denial. Uh, and again, it's because of this is a little bit different. It's coming from the regional high school uh, and uh, and flowing through both Southborough and uh, and Northborough. So, um, but according to council, this is a yay or nay vote only. Um, is it possible to make uh, recommendations to the uh, school board for the, the board of selectmen to make recommendations? Is that uh, I, I don't really understand the process, so I apologize. Yeah, well, I, I'll, I'll try to answer that, John. Um, it, generally speaking, um, school committees are independent um, of the rest of town government and um, regional school committees even more so. We could certainly, in theory, send a request, send a recommendation, but we have no authority over that process. Um, I will say following the, the process that the regional school committee and administration has gone through on this, um, I think they've they've already voted on exactly what they want to build and how much they expect it to cost. So I don't see there being much value in the board here making any requests of the regional school committee. And I'll also add Southboro's town meeting approved this project um, this past weekend. So it is fully funded from the Southboro's perspective. Um, so I, I Southboro obviously isn't asking for any changes. I just want to add, I mean, the costs are substantial. I, I know it's a bond, uh, $8 million bond. Uh, I, I certainly want to say I strongly support uh, everything that's in the package, except for the artificial turf. I, I think that's a mistake for the town. Uh, I'd rather be in a position voting for everything else, uh, except for the artificial turf. I'd like to be provided uh, with more choice than, than what's uh, this, this school board has proposed. Okay. George, I appreciate the input. Um, unfortunately, we, we are where we are. Um, I, I did attend um, a meeting that the superintendent and staff put on back, I don't know, it was three or four weeks ago on this project. Um, I, I actually voiced a somewhat similar concern, particularly on the, um, I wasn't sure whether artificial turf was justified on the practice field. I think it is on the main field. Um, but they, they, they are an independent body and, and they made decisions where they are. Um, I think otherwise this project is is very highly needed and needs to move forward. So I, from myself, I'm not recommending any any changes and I'll be supporting it at town meeting. But I, I appreciate the input and the thoughtfulness. I, re I really do, George. Thank you very much. Okay, um, I see no other comments from the audience again. Um, we have a motion and a second. Uh, any other discussion or questions or comments from the board? All right, all those in favor, uh, Scott. Aye. Jason. Aye. 
Chris. Aye. Julianne. Aye. I also vote aye. The vote is unanimous in favor. John, you have your final town meeting warrant. Congratulations. Um, and I know in a, a five minute discussion and vote, um, it took a lot more than five minutes to put it together. So I, I appreciate that. Um, we also have approval and election of the May 9th, 2023 annual town election warrant. Um, I know certainly we have no, um, no authority to do anything with that other than approve it. And we don't even have the authority to, to not approve it because a judge would overrule us very, very quickly if we did anything like that. So um, unless anyone has anything interesting, I'll entertain a motion. Um, Mr. Chair, I move the board vote to approve and execute the May 9th, 2023 town election warrant. Second. Motion's been made by Scott, seconded by Jason. I'll note by the two people who are not running for re-election, so maybe they're very anxious to see this happen. I don't know, but I'll leave it up to uh, the audience to decide. Um, any other discussion? Uh, all those in favor? Julianne? Aye. Kristen? Aye. Scott? Aye. Jason? Aye. I also vote aye. Vote is unanimous in favor. We have an election warrant. Uh, very good. Uh, next up on our agenda, we have reports. Uh, let's see. Jason, do you have any reports tonight? Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Just a couple of items. One, I want to thank North Red Foundation for uh, conducting their uh, trivia contest, uh, annual trivia contest, which is a fundraiser for the program uh, this past Friday night. Uh, my team had the pleasure of sitting at the same table as the eventual champions, so we certainly enjoyed uh, uh, the evening with Let's Look It Up, and we congratulate them on their victory. Uh, they are now, from what I understand, something like six-time champions, so uh, very good job by them, very good job by Northborough Ed Foundation to put on the program. Uh, and. I hope that uh, this is like the start of a recovery for that event, which has been very successful and frankly much larger in the past. Um, so I hope this is an upward trend and we'll see even a larger turnout next year. Uh, and I also want to mention the um, Algonquin uh, PTO is now starting to look for both fundraising and volunteers for the uh, junior prom post prom party to be held at New England Sports Center. That's the uh, prom is being held Saturday, May 13th, and the post prom party would be from midnight to 5 p.m. following that. So technically that's Sunday morning. Um, but they are in need of volunteers, uh, both to uh, some of the ticket distributions, some of the um, uh, setup at New England Sports Center, and then uh, to whatever extent people are able to volunteer for the overnight crew that works the 12 a.m. to 5 a.m. shift while the students are at, at the facility. So um, if you have any interest uh, in volunteering, if you have any interest in donating to make it a successful event, which is for the safety of our uh, prom attendees, uh, please, uh, please, uh, you can just Google Algonquin PTO. That should take you to the Facebook page and from the Facebook page, you can find the uh, post-prom uh, information details and opportunity to volunteer or donate. And that concludes my report. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. Kristen, any reports tonight? Yeah, I just have a couple little things. Um, I just wanted to say that I think, um, so I went and visited uh, Peasley School a few weeks ago and 
I was going to talk about it at the, our last meeting that had reports, but then they got canceled because that was a really long meeting. So that was fine. But I did want to say what a what a great group of kids and um, they were so enthusiastic. We did get one potential future board member out of the group um, who said in his thank you letter that he thinks he'll write, run for select board someday. And um, I think they will all be really, really happy to hear that we just approved step one in the very long process of renovating Peasley School. They were all a little disappointed to hear that it wouldn't be done in time for June um, when they will be graduating from Peasley. But some of them had younger siblings who <laughs> they were hopeful that their siblings would enjoy it. Um, so, and thank you very much to Chief Liver. I don't know if he was aware, but he was the unwitting code word for these kids to get extra credit for um, paying attention to a board meeting. So just FYI, Chief Liver, you were a little bit famous at Peasley School briefly. So that was fun. And then- um, I'm a member of uh, a student at Peasley, I'm, I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> oh, you were a former student there? Is that what you said? Yep. First okay. to sixth grade. Awesome. See, there you go. Nice. Thank they you. didn't remember you. I don't know. It must be on. I can't imagine why. Most of the staff is retired. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it was it was fun. Um, and then I um I went to my very first booster club meeting at the high school recently, and man, are they a well-oiled machine at the Algonquin Boosters, so three cheers to them. I will do my best for the boys volleyball team as the rep and for the fundraising in general, they are a great group. I was really impressed with them. Um, and I don't have a quote wishing John bon voyage, and I know he loves my quotes. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it's really funny, John, because over the weekend we were visiting um, an elderly relative of my husband's and he gave us a book called 40,000 quotes and quote, uh, quotes and quotations or something. I don't know. And I just thought 40,000, like, I just, I can't. So I, I didn't, he offered us I, the book. I said, no, thank you. <laughs> I did, I did prepare a limit for my last, uh, for my last board meeting, which I'll get to under reports myself. <laughs> okay. Uh-oh. All right. So that's the end. I just, uh, I guess my quote will be good luck, John. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Kristen. Uh, Scott, any reports tonight? I just, just a expand a little bit on what I alluded to. So a great summarization done by our health director, Kristen Black, on the results of Be Well Northboro. And if you couple that with the work that's being done by the Greater Boroughs Partnership for Health, um, that would be a worthwhile agenda topic at a future meeting to ask her to, to come in and summarize the programs that have, that have gone through both uh, Be Well and uh, Greater Boroughs. Um, it's uh, pretty amazing the, the 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 programs that they put together that strings together not just the department uh, the health department but brings together the things that are happening as you know at the library and the senior center and the rec department uh, so a lot of those elements coming together on the overall health and wellness of the community and um, I, I think that'd be worthwhile to have her go through that summarization and hear all the things that are going on. Um, you've seen the advertisements for the free 
um, uh, or for the Narcan training and first aid training, um, and as well as, as the programs that you see on the community calendar. So I uh, just wanted to put in uh, a bit of a booster for the work that's being done in terms of health and wellness in the community. Uh, nothing else to report. Thank you, Scott. Julianne, any reports tonight? Yes, Mr. Chairman. Um, thank you. So um, at one of our last meetings, we discussed signs for our town meeting, and I just want to thank Andy Dowd. He's done the whole project, and the signs should be ready soon, and DPW will install them in front of our municipal buildings. And my only other thing is that Cultural Council is hard at work preparing the spring public art program. It will be the doors again at Ellsworth McAfee sometime in the middle of April and mark your calendars for June 10th, which will be their culture fest, which was a great success last year. And um, I'm sure will be again this year. So um, that ends my report. Thank you. Thank you, Julianne. Um, I've got a couple of things. Uh, the fire station building committee had its first meeting um, couple weeks ago, about a week ago. Um, and uh, as John alluded to earlier, the next step are for interviews with potential project managers. We're doing that this uh, coming Friday afternoon. Um, I was going to say that remote participation is ending this mark this week, um, but the legislature has extended it. I didn't get word today whether the governor has signed it yet or not, but I know she's supportive. Um, and it would be extended for another two years. Um, let's see. Um, the Traffic Safety Committee um, has met a number of times and did determine at our last meeting that a permanent committee should exist. That will be their, their recommendation. They're working through the details. And I, I want to extend a lot of thanks to Scott Charpentier, who's been tremendously helpful uh, with that committee. Uh, thus far, um, and uh, I want to echo what uh, what Jason said with the Northboro Education Foundation trivia night. Um, they asked me to be a judge, and it was my first time uh, attending and participating at that event. And uh, it was it was a lot of fun to uh, uh, to be up there and seeing all of the uh, the trivia folks hard at work. And very glad that I did not have to answer the questions because many of them were very difficult. Uh, and thus ends my reports. John, anything for us this evening? Uh, just just a parting thank you to the board, um, to all the boards and committees, all the volunteers, and all the residents. Uh, this is my last board meeting of 20 years of service to the town, and it's been my distinct honor and pleasure to have served the residents of Northborough. And um, I just uh, appreciate all the support and um, and all of the involvement of of our of our community over the years. I'm not leaving, uh, although I'm switching jobs. Um, I am not moving out of Northborough. And so my commitment and to this community remains. If there's anything that I can do for any board member or any resident in terms of information or assistance, um, I'm not going anywhere. I'll be around. And if there's anything I can do to assist the board in the transition or as a new manager comes in, needing background on anything, I'm, I'm happy to help in any way that I can. But just um, as I've said before, it's bittersweet. Um, and I love this community. This is my hometown. This is where I raised my kids. Been here 25 years, and um, it's with very mixed emotions that uh, that I move on. But I just want to say, Northboro is a great community. Whoever the next town administrator is, will be very lucky, and uh, and I wish them all the best. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you very much, John. Uh, Jason. Uh, yeah, just to, if, if I may, as the okay. longest serving board member and as having served throughout uh, John's uh, tenure here. John, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to work with you. I've accomplished great things here um, and kind of set the bar for what municipal management should be, not just in this town, but across the Commonwealth with your influence. So appreciate everything you've done. Uh, congratulations on the new role and we wish you well in Foxborough. Thank you. Okay. Um, reports are over. We have execution of a cemetery deed. Mr. Chair. I move the board vote to execute cemetery deed 1166. Second. Motion made by Jason, seconded by Julianne. Any discussion? All those in favor? Jason? Aye. Scott? Aye. Julianne? Aye. Kristen? Aye. I also vote aye. Vote unanimous in favor. Deed is approved. Is there any other business this evening? No other business this evening. Uh, is there any public comment before we close out? Going once, going twice, gone. Is there a motion to adjourn? Mr. John, Chairman. John, I wish I could give you this motion. <laughs> <laughs> the gift was no more public comment as I'm going, so I'm happy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. I'm sorry, I interrupted a motion. Mr. Chair, I move we adjourn. Second. Motion made by Jason, seconded by Julianne to adjourn. All those in favor, uh, Scott? Aye. Julianne? Aye. Jason? Aye. Kristen? Aye. I also vote aye. Vote is unanimous in favor. We are adjourned 10.04 p.m. Thank you very much, everyone, especially John, but everybody.